And here we go. The Sprista's Goose. <laughs> I don't apocalypse on Shabbos. <laughs> Trump Shabbos. <laughs> I say that doesn't sound like too good of a story for him then. <laughs> yes, it's an 80s film, but it's a quintessential 80s film. That motherfucker gets me excited about science. But yes, I, I do think that this movie requires a couple more views. I have the same cup size as Doc Hawk. <laughs> Give me my sandwich. <laughs> no crusts. Was it an instant classic for you? Uh, no. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, moviegoers of all ages, welcome to the Don't Be Crazy podcast. I'm Justin Cavender, and with me as always is Mr. Zach Rancourt, <laughs> a.k.a. <laughs> Zach Dale 82. <laughs> But not really. <laughs> anyway, uh, we're here to discuss and dissect what makes a film, past or present, absolutely amazing or just pure rubbish. You know, amazing like along the lines of Starship Troopers, <laughs> Batman and Robin, The Karate Kid. Deep and Blue then, Sea. <laughs> and then rubbish like, you know, uh, The Deer Hunter. Get out of here. <laughs> Interstellar. Get out of here. Oh, burn. <laughs> All that we ask of each other is don't be crazy. Don't be crazy, Zach. Stop being so loco. Dude, I am Mr. Loco. How's it going, Justin? I am fabulous. Thank you for asking. Good. How, how the heck are you? I'm good, man. Uh, it's almost that time of year, the holiday season. It's almost upon us. <laughs> Can I ask you what your favorite Christmas song is? Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> well, coming down. <laughs> Um, I bet that one spiked a little Dar- bit. Darling um, Love. Uh, that one's really good, actually. You know, she the other song that she made, uh, aside from Baby Please Come Home, was um, oh, yeah. uh, Don't Want to Be Alone on Christmas, which was actually made for Home Alone 2, when oh. Kevin is just wandering the streets of, of New York City. Not much better in here, kid. <laughs> <laughs> I love that one. I used to have the board game, Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, the, the, the board electric game. Boogaloo. <laughs> electric Boogaloo. Electric Boogaloo. My favorite is Wham! Last Christmas. Easily. Oh, that's a good one. It's the best one Gave ever. me my heart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That bitch. <laughs> Gave her my heart. <laughs> she threw it away, though. <laughs> um, yeah, man. Uh, so, good. The holidays are, are upon us, and uh, what better way to celebrate the holidays than watching a classic by Christopher Nolan, Interstellar. Ooh. Is it a classic? Was it an instant classic for you? Uh, no. Um, so this movie came out four years ago, 2014. It was a... I saw it in IMAX, which was incredible, by the way. Um, yeah, Nolan's a sucker for the IMAX. I'm I, think, a, I think I, he has a record for breaking the most IMAX cameras, too. Oh, I'm a sucker for IMAX. I love IMAX. I don't like 3D. I cannot stand 3D. But I will see IMAX any possible time I can. Um... I didn't fully comprehend this movie for what it was when I saw it. I was just like, ooh, uh, flashy. I like it. (laughs) Got some McConaughey in there. I got some Catwoman in there. Got a little Alfred Pennyworth in there, too. Josh Um, Ford. Yeah, Josh Ford. (laughs) Him and Mario Van Peebles. Um, Yeah, no, it was... uh, it was it, it was cool. I liked it when I saw it, but I, I honestly have not seen it in probably three or four years. So I'm excited to talk about it because I think this movie is fantastic. Your thoughts? Yeah, well, <laughs> I remember watching it with uh, Dave Edmondson, who I also do the Geek Legacy podcast with. And there were moments, more than once, we actually looked at each other in the theater and we were just like, I don't know if we were shaking our heads, but we were laughing, but... 
I think that it has everything that I ever wanted from a science fiction movie, especially one that's more grounded in the sense that it could happen, as opposed to talking aliens and like like Fifth Element, right? That's a that's an awesome sci-fi movie, but <laughs> multi <Multi-pass. laughs> It's a little bit out there, right? Sure. This yeah. one is more of a social commentary. Yeah. That uh, I can get behind. Give me the gas. <laughs> Give me the gas. <laughs> I fucking love that movie. Oh, I love that movie. Okay, yeah, I. I two two very different science fiction movies. Absolutely. Both have their merits, but one is just a little bit more realistic. Absolutely. So Cool. Well, I'm excited to talk about this. Um, let's dive into the cast. So uh, we have the all right, all right, all right, the uh, stays the same age as he gets older, Mr. Matthew McConaughey as Cooper. <laughs> we have, I got them all right, all his characters. Um, we have uh, Brand, the junior uh, doctor, Anne Hathaway. We have uh, young Murph is Mackenzie Foy. Uh, adult Murph is the beautiful and oh so talented Jessica Chastain. I love her in everything. Bryce Dallas Chastain Howard. <laughs> Dude, Jessica Chastain is so good. She's amazing. Um, you have uh, young Tom, which I just found out was Timothy Chalamet from uh, Call Me by My Call Me by My Name, and then um, like Late- Destiny's Child. Say my name. <laughs> yes, and then Lady Bird. Uh, fantastic actor. Uh, you have uh, adult Tom Casey Affleck, brothers with Matt Damon. <laughs> spoiler uh doyle uh, by wes bentley uh dr brand senior by uh michael kane romley david gaiasi donald is john lithgow or as i like to call him uh harry and the hendersons um and then dr man is matt damon yeah which really was that was a surprise oh my gosh that was a huge surprise i did not know what happened he was a chubbier matt damon too but they just people cannot seem to. He's always, he always needs rescuing. Yeah, <laughs> they always gotta What's save him, deal? or he always gets stuck on Mars, or what? What? Why is he always so lost? They need one of those like leashes for him yeah, or something. So put a freaking bell on him. A tile. <laughs> God. Um, box office wise, this movie did. Uh, it did really well domestic. I don't know the budget. Is it? Is it well? 188 million? Is that a lot? Domestic? I don't know actually. What was the budget? Do you have the budget numbers pulled I, up? I don't. Um, I, I let me look. Look at. Uh, so it did gross 188 domestic. I guess for all intents and purposes, that's not that great. The budget was 165, so it made some money. Yeah, um, it, it, the worldwide is where it's at for them. Right. So 677 million. Interesting. Um, fun. This is jumping ahead on the trivia, but mm-hmm. um, the drone was originally going to be a Chinese drone. But they didn't. Production was like, well, if we put China on yeah. there, that that could be scandalous. And then all of a sudden, the movie's banned from China. Yeah. And then we don't get our money back. That's true. China's a oh, shit. China's a huge market for uh, for films too. So yeah, that's that's pretty smart on there on yeah. their part. Um, Eight point six out of ten on IMDb, which I, I live my life off of apparently. <laughs> it's um, owned by Amazon. <laughs> it is. Um, yeah. <laughs> <True story>. yeah. <laughs> There's no joke there. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, box office wise, um, it did it did fairly well uh, compared to the other movies that we've done. Um, but it did it, it, <laughs> yeah. it, did, it did fairly well. That's true. So we, we don't have uh, we don't pick the the box office um, blockbusters. No, yeah, but I mean, I think they're necessary films, and they all have a place in film history. Oh yeah, they're my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck all that art stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I want explosions and space. And all the magic and the flying. Karate kids and things. <laughs> Bullies. What kind of what kind of fun facts do you have about this movie for us? Uh, I had some really good fun facts. 
So when I'm a, I'm starting a tradition that I just started right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm having a alcoholic beverage because I'm of age. Um, during our recording, and right now it's it's themed after the movie. This one is the Orbiter IPA from Ecliptic Brewing because because oh. Orbit, yeah, you know, I get and space, <laughs> you know, in Star Trek, that that kind of stuff. Sure, makes sense to me. So yeah, sure. So some interesting trivia. I actually found this out the yesterday. I was talking to a buddy of mine that actually loves this movie. Did he he say he had a woman that hurt his pride? Turned around no. and loved her so. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he was going on and on about uh, Kip Thorne, the theoretical physicist. Um, and he was saying that um, uh, early in pre-production, Kip Thorne laid down two guidelines to strictly follow. Uh, nothing that would violate established physics, physical laws and that the wild speculations would spring from science and not from the creative mind of a screenwriter. Which can be challenging for filmmakers, I would imagine. Uh, like, you know what would make this movie better? <laughs> well, absolutely. And Gary I mean, Busey. <laughs> can he sign it, Rocket? <laughs> it's the best Salisbury steak I ever had. Direct TV. <laughs> uh, which, yeah. which then plays into my point about it being a very grounded science fiction yeah. movie. Oh, yeah. No, I, I agree. I think that's what gives it its its merit, and it's why I like it so much. Um. My my good friend too, John. He uh, he's an astrophysicist and he's very very knowledgeable in this stuff. I actually picked his brain a little bit. Um, he talked about Kip Thorne and he explained how this movie, in terms of like time dilation and um, scientific approach and stuff, is actually pretty spot on. They did take some liberties because it's a film, but do you think that they also have to take some liberties to be able to relate to the audience? If it gets and, if it's too yes, mumbled with yes. science, then we're just gonna be like, what? Yes, and Get I, Bill I, I I think. <laughs> Have him like make a volcano out of potatoes or something. I mean, he has, that guy has a really remarkable way of he, making something extremely complicated relatable to his audience. He does, and the, and and that's just like Neil deGrasse Tyson. Um, so I think that's what you do because because visual medium like we have with uh, film is is your best tool that you can use to convey these these methods to people. Um, I'm listening to a Neil deGrasse Tyson book right now, and it's sometimes I get zoned out. And I'm like, wait, what? What did he say? <laughs> and I have to rewind it, but um. So I was talking about Milky Ways and Cosmos. <laughs> um, but, uh, no, the way that they can portray it on here, yeah, you have to ha- take some liberties and, and give a little bit of action and stuff, you know, but you can still keep the science in there. And if there's something that they don't know, explain that. Like, we just don't know. And they do that a lot in this movie. So, and and I'll just caveat this by saying, and disclaimer, I'm not a, a professional astrophysics, as as many of you probably thought. Um, <laughs> I did I did go to DeVry. <laughs> yeah. um, no, I went to a great school. So, <laughs> <laughs> period. End of story. That's it. <laughs> yeah, some of those liberties included the um, the ice clouds um, that, on the one yeah. Of the that they go to. That's not something that could really happen it, because it of be the moisture yeah, and then the just, yeah the different type of I mean, whatever. It's another planet. Who cares? It was a cool. It was a really cool effect, though, to right. to kind of see and to know, and it kind of set up. Well, yeah, we'll get into it. But yes, yeah. Show how fake this movie really is. <laughs> Exposed. Bullshit, man. Did you ever watch on Fox? They had a. It was called Conspiracy Theories. Why the the lunar landing was uh, faked. The 1969 lunar landing. Was Why faked. or how? Why it was faked, and they showed how too. It was the biggest load of crap, and I was like, "Dude, I was like 14 years old, and I knew it was bullshit." I was like, "I can't believe I'm watching this." Um, but yeah, I mean, we can t- we'll talk about that later too because sure. there's a part I wanted to, to well, bring up. Okay, that and related to the movie. Yeah. Okay. Sure. 
We'll bring it up later. We'll put put a pin in that, Ah. as it were. Ah. Um, Some more fun facts, or trivia, rather. Um, For the cornfield scene, Christopher Nolan sought to grow 500 acres of corn, which he learned was feasible from producing Man of Steel in 2013. That's so much corn. I know, right? I've had like two corns in my whole life. How many ears of corn is that? (laughs) No, I mean like one kernel. You know, I don't do it. I don't you know, know corn's in like everything that we have. Well, right? yeah, but it's I in mean, that tasty nose you're drinking. But I'm, right not, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not chewing on it like a, I'm, I'm <laughs> using a typewriter like in the goddamn cartoon. <laughs> Spitting mean, the kernels out like they're bullets. <laughs> sure, but like corn, as far as um, you know, as fuel or nose right. or <laughs> high fructose corn syrup, as it were, but. Just eating a straight up ear like it's Thanksgiving or at a barbecue. It's not <laughs> not something I do. Rub it in the butter. Uh, but the corn was then sold and actually made a profit. That's look at this guy, entrepreneur, entrepreneur Nolan. Because he needs way more money, right? Yeah, he's got to pay for those IMAX cameras. He keeps, he keeps breaking. breaking. It's this guy. Um, but yeah, it's just some some fun and interesting ones. Uh, the wormhole explanation using the paper and pen is the exact um, same as it appears in the movie Event Horizon, which was in '97. Awesome movie. Oh yeah, love it. Scary. Doctor Grant scaring kids again. Yeah, downright terrifying. Dude, great movie. If you guys have not seen that, highly highly recommend. I wanted to go over a couple of things. Um, so it won a. For the 87th uh, Annual Academy Awards, it did win for Best Visual Effects, which I completely agree with. Absolutely. Visually stunning movie. Absolutely. Um, it was nominated for Best Original Score, Sound Mixing, Sound Editing, and Best Production Design. Now, those categories, I felt that this movie really excelled at. Incredible. The sound when, when they're taking off, uh, when they launch, and they can barely hear each other because there's a fucking rocket right underneath them <laughs> makes sense to me right, right? i'm right. like oh that's kind of cool my whole house was rumbling mm-hmm. you know i'm rocking out to this awesome sound bar and all this bass is going crazy house is shaking and um as soon as it cuts to space silent. it's silent it's beautiful one it's of the coolest effects so beautiful and <clears throat> in the uh when star trek was remade with chris pine mm-hmm. there's that scene at the beginning when the ship is being attacked and people get sucked out into space, and it's mm-hmm. all this noise, all this explosion, and then all of a sudden, once they're out in space, it's just silent. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my god, that's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> Star Wars goes the opposite route. Right. But I, I'm a sucker for silence in space. Even when there's explosions, or there's sort of the, the retro rockets with the air mm-hmm. shooting out, mm-hmm. um, it just blows me away. Yeah. You're just all alone in the, the silence of space. That's what's so scary about that dark matter, is it's just empty mm-hmm. um did you see first man yet the mm. damien chazelle movie that no. just that was ryan gosling about neil armstrong it mirrors um take everything you you saw it with interstellar except it's better so that's hard to do but the practical effects the sound design the editing everything is like a choke shot so it's super close um you feel like you're in there it's vicariously lived like by watching that and it's it's the 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 gal who who did the sound editing is gonna win the Oscar. Like I guarantee it. It's it's phenomenal. You hear the shaking, the rattling. Like it's it's very very visceral. And that's kind of what this movie was, Interstellar, because it'd be like that, and all of a sudden silence. It's like your time to breathe. Because right. like, holy shit. There was actually some uh, negative feedback from critics about some of the sound in that 
you couldn't even hear what the actors were saying sometimes. And I feel like it was kind of meant to be that way. Absolutely. In, in that they were all scared. They're yelling. They're talking. It's not like they were just talking casually. It was things were happening. Yeah. And it sort of just brought the <clears throat> chaos to life, as it were. And I think that's, I think that's to speak what Kip Thorne was saying was you have to keep it relevant to the science and, and like you can't change that. And that's exactly what would happen. Like mm-hmm. there's no way you could soundproof that. I talk pretty loud. <laughs> you I could yell in space. <laughs> I'd be like, hey, you guys. There, wasn't that like the tagline for Event Horizon? It's like you can't scream in space or something like yeah, that. Sounds, sounds pretty good. Isn't that creepy? If it's not, we'll go back. We'll put it on the box. <laughs> Jesus. Put it on a label, on a Dymo label maker and I'll put it on my, on my, on my box, on my VHS I'll just, cassette. I'll just use the P-Touch. <laughs> more of a p-touch guy myself <laughs> um yeah no i i so you think those awards are deserving for the film right like yes a- absolutely yeah hands yeah. down they were my biggest takeaways um artistically it was top notch cool first rate entertainment um what kind of tv did you watch it on what kind of tv do you have i'm sorry what kind of tv did you watch oh it on? uh well last night i yeah. watched it on a 55 inch samsung 4k tv <laughs> <laughs> did, did you watch it blu-ray or did you watch it 4k uh 4k on the voodoos yeah was it pretty good the yeah. quality yeah because i was going to i've been on a 4k kick it's like a drug but um it, they've been really affordable and i've been just buying like that hd movie codes like you were talking about um i bought fallout on 4k um and i'm yet to watch it but uh, i've been on a 4k kick and um i was about to buy this one but i realized i had it on blu-ray it still was fantastic oh yeah it looks fantastic but like i have a tcl 55 inch 4k and i was I was like, I really should watch this movie in 4K. Because <laughs> it's one of those films you have to see on the biggest, loudest screen possible. Right. And I wasn't upset with the Blu-ray, but I think 4K would have been really good, too. Isn't yeah. that amazing? It's like, what's next? I mean, I see in like 12K. <laughs> so like, I'm excited about that prospect of... 27 and a half K? It's just one of those things. You're just jealous because I've been chatting with 4K babes all day. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty amazing. I don't even need corrective lenses. I do not require them. <laughs> Nick Papa Giorgio. Nick Papa Giorgio. <laughs> From Yuma. <laughs> Gotta wipe some kids. Uh, but first impressions. Let's uh, let's talk about this. When you saw the movie the very first time, four years ago, pretty much, because I think it came out in October. I want to say October of 2014. Um, You're very good at this. Well, it was October November, because I, mm-hmm. I was at BlizzCon when it came out. Yeah. So that's usually the first week of November, like around the 6th or 7th. Either way. Um, sorry, November fifth, two thousand fourteen. Perfect. Yeah, close enough. Um, and so we're at four years, and when you saw it in, in IMAX, when it was over, did you get your your sigh of relief, like, oh my god, that was an incredible journey, or did or was it that whole thing where it was too much to think about, it was too heavy, and you're just like, I'm gonna go eat some pie and digest this movie <laughs> along with my pie, a hostess pie. Um, no, so. There are maybe only three movies I can think of off offhand that um, I felt that way, that I was blown away by, that it, it transcended space and time, like mm-hmm. this movie does, uh, that I I could not even fathom. It, took, it doesn't have fathoms. <laughs> there was no fathoms. I, was, I went home and I was just thinking about them. Okay, those three movies were The Dark Knight, the first time I saw The Dark Knight. Okay, um, also Nolan. Right. Uh, Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah, right? that was just a carousel of carnage. Oh, Love that movie. I was not expecting anything from that movie, and I was blown away. Um, and Return of the King. Um, 
What? Return of the Jedi? No, Return of the King. <laughs> Return of the King Jedi? <laughs> Luke must take up Andoro. Um So those movies blew me away, and I still haven't found a movie that has left me with that much. Maybe Logan was the closest one recently, like just because I, I love Wolverine, and I grew up with Wolverine. I mean, 14 years or whatever, he's, he's played... Hugh Jackman's played Wolverine. That movie blew me away. But two thousand um, was his first role. Holy X Men was in two thousand. So seventeen years. Yeah. My gosh. Oh, R.I.P. And he gets bigger um, and bigger and bigger. He's, he, he's not dead. He's not dead. But R.I.P. <laughs> um. So you know, I left this movie and I was, I saw it at the Pacific Science Center of all places, which was really cool. Um. But because they have a four K IMAX screen, they didn't have the four K at the time, but they have an IMAX screen, and it's it's pretty massive. Have you, have you been to that that one? No. It's incredible. It's just a you know ceiling to floor screen with optimal sound and all that. Um, and I saw it with friends and I was so, so, so happy. I mean, this is coming off the heels of the dark Knight, and I went on a Nolan kick where I was watching insomnia, where I was watching, um, oh my gosh, uh, memento. memento yes. I almost said mirrorplex for some reason. It's not even a movie. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> does, pretty good. She, she doesn't even go here. Well, then wacky um, carnival mirrors where you look funny. Um, you know, I was watching, I watched memento, um, I watched Inception, you know, um, so it just was, it was so cool and, and visceral and I liked it a lot. I just did not appreciate it as much as my adult mind does now. A lot can happen in four or five years, mm-hmm. you know, you can hit puberty at any moment. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. So, um, while I liked it, it still wasn't one of my favorite Nolan movies after watching it again and fully appreciating it. It's, it's probably number two for me. For Nolan films? Nolan films. Wow. This movie and Inception are at a very close number two because I like all the mind fuckery and all the magic and all the flying. So is that something that I'm supposed to come to expect when I watch a Nolan movie? Am I supposed to expect like a like a M. Night Shyamalan ding dong where I'm expecting some sort of twist? Am I am I supposed to go to a Nolan movie expecting you know something that's so different but it just reeks of Nolan? Is that is that his thing? It, it's the Nolan stamp is it's got to be heavy, it's got to be crazy, over the top, artistic, and just be too much for the audience to handle. And like you're just an asshole if you don't get it. No, I think what you will expect is he's going to work with Hans Zimmer, which is he's incredible. He did the score, so you, you get the like the heavy basses, the bum bum, mm. and just the incredible scores. Um, I think you're going to get a very grand scale movie. So he loves IMAX, but you're going to get something that's not just a simple little tiny room or something like that, or just a small character piece. You're getting a full-scale, fantastic cast. Um, he uses the same people he, a lot. He does. And, He's but, got his crew. That's a great trademark of some great directors, though, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, like the Coens love, you know, um, Jeff Bridges. They also love, um, <laughs> did you see Buster Scruggs? No, I haven't watched it yet. Really good. It's on, it's on my to-do list. So good. Um, oh, my God. Can't remember, can't remember his name. Tim something. He's uh he plays Buster Scruggs, mm-hmm. but I won't spoil anything else for you. I just let you watch it. And uh, Totoro, John Totoro. Yeah. yeah, they use him. Um, they love John Goodman. Love and who doesn't? John Goodman is a treasure. But um, I, I, I don't Buscemi. think. Yeah, Buscemi. I, I, <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> Buscemi. Um, I don't think you need to expect a twist because like Dun- Dunkirk wasn't a twist. There was no twist. Well, in that. I mean, it was all kind of taking place. The, the way it was presented where everything was kind of happening at once mm-hmm. and it was showing the, the time. I only saw it the one time. 
for me it was a one and done same, same. i which is weird because i feel like i've always i don't want to say always but i have a track record of really enjoying nolan films and watching them multiple times whereas this was the first one i don't want to necessarily call it a miss but i felt that i got all that i needed from one viewing for Interstellar was no or for Dunkirk, Dunkirk was, yes. I, Interstellar <clears> I've actually <throat> seen at least five times. I know. Um, I agree. I, I I really appreciate what Dunkirk was though, and I like how he he related. And like I was saying, it's it's incredibly visceral. Where the sound, the the you feel like you're on that beach with them, and they're just trying to get home. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's another Tom Hardy movie where you can't you can't hear him at all. The you know, <laughs> <laughs> he like well because he like I guess Nolan is a fan of just capturing that sound for what it is. So Absolutely, he's in that airplane. Absolutely, we need to be in the airplane. Yeah. Um, so I, I think Dunkirk from and and he uses practical effects in like all of his movies except for like Inception and even in Interstellar he used CGI and stuff too. <laughs> How did he bend that but, train track? <laughs> That's for his point. Um, but he tries to use practical effects a lot, like that train scene when the train's going through the city. Uh, the city. Yeah. So cool. Um, I think he has a, a definite style about him. Um, I don't think it's necessarily switches or, or surprises. The Prestige was a great surprise at I the end. I forgot all about that movie. That's a really I love that. Movie. I think that one's actually my fourth favorite. Um, it's just so hard because, like, I guess, yeah, I'd, I'd go Dark Knight easily, and then it's like Inception and Interstellar is like two, two B or two A, two B, um, and then you jump to four, I guess, from that point, right? <laughs> <laughs> so it's got to be, Jesus. it's got to be the Prestige. I forgot all about that movie. It's so good, right? Again, Michael Caine's in it. Um, no, that's that one's excellent. But you're right, that one has a twist. I don't. I, I think he's out of that paradigm, though. I don't think it's necessarily the case for all of his films. So with Insomnia, I mean, we're deviating here, but yeah. with Insomnia, that one was interesting because the cop that is going after the bad guy is not entirely a good human being either. No, dude, he he shot that that guy. He <laughs> yeah. like killed that other cop, and yeah. he didn't tell anybody about he's, it. He's a bad guy. Yeah, you know he is. He has become something that he is constantly on the hunt for. Mm-hmm. That is interesting. Yeah. It was, you know, and I, I don't want to speak too much about that one because I haven't seen that in a very long time. Um, I remember I liked it kind of, but it wasn't, it didn't resonate as well with but me. But see, and it was different too because it's it's in Alaska, a northern city. Yeah. It was like Nome or something where, where it's daylight all you know, day long in the, the summertime, summertime, right? Yeah. So, you know, that, that was a, an interesting effect you know it's it puts us in a world that a large portion of the population is not used to oh yeah no absolutely (laughs) there's like 14 people in this town (laughs) and they know what it's like they have a blacksmith he's the dentist and he's (laughs) like the local doctor too yeah uh that's 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 tough then there's also the the other movie um memento no uh i have just going back to alaska i'm sorry the uh, snow dogs no 30 days of night <laughs> oh dude the that vampire movie that movie is yeah. awesome and the same thing because like now it's all at nighttime yep. um yeah crazy yeah we no, no, no. talk about that movie one day <laughs> it's actually pretty good <laughs> i love that movie although i haven't seen that in a really long time but yeah no uh my friend john who was talking about earlier he, he's in fairbanks right now and it, it's like 22 hours of nighttime right now and so that's too much right yeah no wonder why <laughs> people go crazy there <laughs> yeah, so. it happens don't let that happen to you so and then what was your initial reaction on this when you uh, when you first saw it, you said you and Dave saw it together. Yes, uh, blown away by the effects, mm-hmm. the sound, the music. Loved the score, um, and that's. I mean, I'm 
I love music, but I mean, I'm like an ACDC <laughs> fucking Bengals. So then you like Last Action Hero? The whole yeah, soundtrack yeah. was ACDC. <laughs> Depeche Mode. Like I don't, I don't go crazy over scores unless <laughs> Depeche Mode's doing the soundtrack to it. Can I? Can I pause you? So like, I had an I had an ex girlfriend, and she, um, we were talking about uh, one of her friends, and she told me a story, and you know the song "Dirty Deeds" done, yeah. done dirt cheap. So. They were in a car and they were all driving and they were singing that song and her friend, I'll leave her name out of this, her friend thought the lyrics were Dirty Deeds, Thunder Chief. Oh, so sing with my brother-in-law. No joke. Still, every time thunder it's on, Chief. every time it's on, I will snap my sister and go, Thunder Chief. <laughs> and then I always do it the part where it goes, ooh, after it because I just want to add that cherry on top because it cracks me up. I'm like, what Thunder Chief is, uh, is concerned about doing Dirty, dirty Deeds? <laughs> you know Thunder Chief in, in Red Dead? Yeah, exactly. Oh. So ridiculous. Thunder yeah, Chief. yeah, my brother-in-law. I, I, I love him to death. Oh, God. But that's just, uh, that is incorrect. Oh, God, that's funny. Okay, sorry. So anyways, you, you, yeah. lo- you, you loved the score. Yes. Yes. Uh, it's the, the strings, um, just sort of how that was just... It was a very epic feeling the entire time. It was almost like another character of the film, too. Yeah, I agree. Like, um, I, I can't stand the movie uh, 2001, but I can I can appreciate... I, I feel like it's more of just a concert with some shit going on in the background. Oh, yeah. No, vi- visually, it's excellent. <laughs> yeah, so, like, in, in the sense of Interstellar, the music was blowing me away. Mm-hmm. I mean, because I have nothing else going on except slow-moving spaceships, mm-hmm. and it's this music that's really, like building the anticipation you know there's a moment where that we'll call it a space chase <laughs> where that's happening it's so slow though <laughs> <laughs> yeah like in the vein of austin powers you know running over with the steamroller um you know so there's this music playing i'm just like fuck you know turn the put the throttle to the or the pedal to the metal buddy come on thunder chief <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah and the and practical effects you know we live in this era right now where where visual effects mean a lot to people, and there are times when, uh, especially in like the the early and mid two thousands, where everything just looked video gamey yes. with visual effects, yes. and it was all because it was computer generated, and it loses something. In this case, it's like, wow, how did they get the whole crew up into space? This is incredible. How do they breathe in? <laughs> Can't breathe in space. They must have trained for years for this. So I mean, I honestly felt like I was transported and along for the ride which is mm-hmm. saying a lot yeah um i i really think that they that nolan and and the crew were able to just hammer that home yeah. and love that part that fully immersive a- aspect is is why i i love the films that he does is he, he makes you feel like you're there like it's just so raw and you're just like I mean, imagine being there during that time, and the the part will jump slightly ahead. You know, when Cooper realizes he just wasted twenty three years, it's so real, and you feel Matthew McConaughey like full on experiencing his loss of twenty three years. Right, that's actually my favorite scene in the movie. It's beautiful. It's it's a, a fantastic scene when the music's playing, the the orbiting is happening, uh, the way the the light just keeps mm-hmm. shining on his face, like every couple of cycles. Yeah. Um, and he's watching these movies, and and we're no longer watching what he's watching. Mm, it's just we're him. watching him. It's heartbreaking. I mean, realizing, and we've all had moments in in life like that that we're like, this can never change. This mm. is this is done. It's, it's it's final, and it's. I'm like that when I can't fall asleep, and it's been like four hours. I'm like, shit, I could just read a book. 
And I just laid here like an asshole doing nothing. Yeah. Like I just wasted four hours of my life when I could have bettered myself. I could have earned my degree from home from in this four from hours. Your University of Phoenix online. Yeah. It's ridiculous. You could have been an astrophysicist. It's like, God damn it. Fuck that one um, up. Don't do that again. So I, I'm curious though, Justin, why, why ultimately did you not like this movie overall? Or what about it do you not really get or comprehend or right okay so from the get-go i was on board i loved the most of the movie mm-hmm. you know i'm i'm there i'm enjoying every second of it I'm, I'm getting hit with these heavy themes the earth is is ruined we as humans have literally uh turned this place into a a junkyard slash dust bowl a dust bowl i'm taking it and, back to um, the uh yeah, the grapes it, of wrath. Exactly, <laughs> and it's terrifying. Absolutely, and, and I feel like <clears throat> part of me believes that that is where we're headed. Right, like it's this is happening. This and it's this is at the time 2014, and it's like, oh my god, my this could be in my kid's lifetime. This probably is if yeah. we don't. I mean, stop that, this what is what doing. I'm thinking as I'm watching it. Absolutely. Right? Oh, and absolutely. So I'm like, oh my god, this is awful. Yeah, and there's a moment of uh, of truth when. We find out that Earth is just doomed. Humanity is 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 almost over, and um, I'm loving it. I'm just eating it up. I'm like, oh my god, this is like the greatest movie I've ever seen. And then fast forward to the end when we have to buy into uh, love being what conquers all and and saves humanity. And using love as our, our compass to get us to where we need to go. And, you know, I, I can totally buy that. You know, we were talking about this earlier where I, I firmly believe that love is absolutely amazing. I, I can totally get behind that, that this, this, and this uh, untangible thing that we cannot touch, but we know it. We feel it. We can sense it. And we we can go with our gut and know that that is the right answer. Totally get it. Somewhere in the movie, <laughs> that was lost on me. <laughs> I was like, "Are you kidding me?" I just sat yeah. through three hours just to find out that I could have just gone this way because I felt that way. Like I'm buying into all this science. I don't I don't know what they're saying, but because of the way they're explaining it, I'm like, yeah. "Okay, yeah, sure, I'm on board." You know, I got my degree in communications. So I'm like, okay, I'm picking up what you're putting down. Yeah. And at the end, it just turned out to be this love conquers all thing. Love will find a way. And I wasn't prepared for that ending. You know, going down through the book. And this is an oversimplification, right? I don't want sure. to. We'll break down the whole movie. But, you know, going into the bookcase and having this relationship with his daughter and leaving the ultimate clue, the data of what is past a black hole, what is past like this event horizon, right? This this data that's <clears throat> never been collected is now inputted into this watch that he left her, and that's a really big if that she sees this watch is and under. I've had a watch that the second hand doesn't get move. Mm-hmm. And I'm like son of a bitch, I gotta throw my watch away, yeah. <laughs> and so that to me and then when he comes out of the hole he just happens to be on the most popular thoroughfare in all of, of outer space that this ship sees him collects him and it just ends up being cooper station and he's alive and then he adds 
we all live happily ever after. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I was 100% on board with this movie until the final, let's say, 20 minutes. Okay. I am prepared to change your mind on that. Okay. I'm, I can't wait. I'm trying to take notes in my mind because I, I wanted to interject, but I think that's jumping too far ahead. So we'll, we'll get into that. Um, so, I mean, absolutely. at the end of They're the day... They're all valid concerns. Yeah. So a three-hour movie... It's very long. <laughs> that, got, that got... I don't want to say ruined, but took it down several notches for me. It turned it from an A movie to a C movie Ooh, for me. Really? Yeah. That's, yeah. that's quite a drop. I was just like, God damn it. That's yeah. quite a drop. Okay. Well, let's get that back up to an A. Maybe an A minus. Sure. Maybe a B plus. Um, all right. So I think you can look at this movie broken down into basically three acts. So you have your farming dust bowl world is how it is and we're quickly going to expire it um where the, where the, the corn boys are having a, a turf war with the okra boys the corn boys are fighting the cow pokes and yeah arthur morgan's fighting all that but um yeah okra okra okra's really good too if you've ever had it it's freaking no. delicious I, I hear it's um it can fall victim to blight I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think that was weren't they were talking about that. Michael Caine was talking about that. Yeah, it's done so. Yeah, that's why they had it. They said that was the last year. Was, there was, was a big brush on blight at the grocery store <laughs> or on uh, okra. Yeah, okra, okra, okra. Winfrey. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. So you have your first act with the Dust Bowl, the farmers, all that stuff. Then you have your second, which is the NASA um, discovery and also uh, him accepting the job and going into space. Um, and then you have your third, which is the the let's say the love dimension or the aspect of trying to figure out how to get to Plan A. Um, right. Plan A being we can save most of humanity. Plan B. Small portion, sample size. Plan B is immediately giving up and and saying, "Let's start over." Yep. Um. So, colonize movie. <laughs> movie starts out. You see Matthew. Con- you meet Matthew McConaughey Cooper. Um. He's with his kids. He's with young Murph, and he's with young Tom. Uh. They're they live with their grandfather Donald, who is not his father. It is his wife's father. Um. And it the movie starts out in a almost like a documentary style with uh, real accounts. This is a fun fact too. Uh, Nolan took those videos from um, people who actually lived through uh, the Dust Bowl. So that was a documentary documentary on the Dust Bowl, but he, he just twisted it to fit his narrative, which was really, really cool to see. But there's, um, you know, it, it's similarities across what it is. But everything is, is like you were saying, okra is done. Everything's corn-based now. Um, even when they're eating, they're just eating corn on the cob or fritters or corn souffle. Corn burgers. Corn bur- like, everything is corn. And that's how they survive. Um, farming is the way of life. Uh, college is a thing of the past. You either, you have to be, like, one million to make it to college or your mom goes to college. <laughs> or you are a farmer and and a school system tells you there's that great line that he's talking at the parent teacher conference with uh the principal and the teacher and he says well what about tom scores he said they're good but they're not good enough to get into college and he said so wait what's your pants size <laughs> he tells him 32 whatever 32 32 and he goes so you're telling me that two numbers can measure the size of your own ass but it, one number can't get my son into college <laughs> and i was like yes that's so great but um in that discussion though this is a world that i'm a i'm a comfortable 40 <laughs> are we talking about sweatpants here <laughs> no i'm a comfortable 38 or a tight 36 <laughs> um so that um he goes to that parent te- teacher conference um we see something special in murph uh murph 
defies her her teachers. Uh, this is a world where she's a little instigator. Yeah, she brings a book in that belonged to Cooper. And and um, let me backtrack a little bit. The movie starts out. You see a glimpse of Cooper flying a um a aircraft uh almost like a spaceship and he's above the stratosphere um this is to qualify him as a pilot yes for the rest of the movie it's the the exposition of him being a pilot right um but not some corn boy (laughs) he's a farmer in disguise or he's disguised as a farmer, I should say. He's like a Decepticon. <laughs> yeah. He's like Bumblebee. Go see it November 21st. I mean, what, December 21st. Um, so he uh, has the teacher conference and gives a book to Murph that is an old textbook of his about space exploration and all those things. Um, it's actually banned from there because they the teacher says they put the new textbooks out that uh, updated, t- updated the, the moon landing as a hoax. And he's like, excuse me? Yeah, call um, me Pinko propaganda. Exactly. It, it was it was propaganda. This reverts back to what we thought the space race was, was just propaganda. And like we were saying, I was asking you about that Fox documentary, the propaganda thing. There are people that still believe that to this day. <laughs> Those, Those people. flat earthers. <laughs> yes. I was trying to word <laughs> this. no vaxxers. I was trying to word this in a way that's PC. Those people are the ones that believe that climate change isn't real. Right. Those are ones that think it's propaganda. When we have irrefutable evidence showing that there is stuff happening in this world. Right. Polar bears starving. Ocean levels rising. Glaciers melting. uh, The coral reef uh, melting and and going away, essentially. Like, all these things are happening. People are... One of the things is that when you hear the word global warming, you think it just means hot. Yes. But really, it's climate change change change. in general. Absolutely. Too cold now. Record cold temperatures. Record... Droughts. Hot temperatures. Yeah, droughts. Look at at the floods we've had in Texas. Look at the wildfires in California. Man, those were awful. Yeah. Like it's and just, that's and, and in California's been a drought since before I was born. Yeah. Okay. And I grew up in California. Yeah. And it's like okay, so this has been happening for a long time. It's yeah. just finally on the radar. Yeah. But a but, blip on the radar. But is it? I mean, we're, no. That's we're, why I said it's a blip. Yeah. We're one of the it's only countries late. that are out of the UN agreement for um, ecological like action, essentially. Um, one of only three in the world, and we're supposed to be the most powerful. Anyways, I'm not going to get into that too Basically, much. Basically, Interstellar was shot in the future and yeah. brought back to the past to show. Us. So, so it, it it it's quite a it's quite a warning film, um, for negative effects of of overuse or overabundance. I mean, um, you look at movies like, and this was a big almost. I don't want to call it propaganda, but warnings like Soylent Greens or Logan's Run mm-hmm. that they did in the '70s that were warning us about like if we over eat meat we could cause extinction we have caused extinction extinction with things look at bison um there's you know certain lions and tigers and stuff that there are only a few of their species left now we do have conservative groups that are working um to save them Mm -hmm. but and rhinos that are extinct oh my gosh yeah dude it's awful like that stuff is purely caused by us man yeah yes (laughs) um so We're we're the worst we really are um so Using those resources and and taking abundance in those resources is something we have to tread very lightly on, and unfortunately, we are not. This could be the result of what happens if we if we don't, right. where we rely on corn as our main and only food source in the I world. I will starve. There were no animals in that movie. Did you notice that? Yeah. There were no animals in the movie. Um, we would we would die. Like 
they even even NASA, you know, they predict. Well, let's stay with the Dust Bowl thing. But that's the world you live in, where the New York Yankees are playing a local baseball game, right? You know, <laughs> bunch of bums, bunch of bums, right? <laughs> Who are these bums? <laughs> um, so well, that's Roger. He, he's the he's my barber. So, um, you know, right off the bat, you you do know Murph is is special. Something's going on with her. Um, she sees the ghost in her room, and she explains what happens with that ghost and um her books are falling off her giant bookshelf um and she's seen some communique some communique between these forces and her um where her brother is more of a realist and he's like there's no such things as as ghosts mcconaughey isn't necessarily poo-pooing it he is um kind of just giving her insight to it and and saying maybe like explore a little more before you come to that conclusion right and so I, use you know scientific facts to to base your conclusions mm-hmm. and then state your facts. Yeah, well, and the, she, she says a line. She says, "Dad, you know, you told me science is about admitting what we don't know," and I think that's a central theme for the entire movie. Right, is, is the unknown, um, and so she's not wrong. It could be a ghost, but who's who's to say? So, but if you just admit we don't know, and you learn, and you try, and you explore, and get out then um you may find the answer you may not but right. that's that's which what again I, i'm completely on board absolutely with. you haven't cool. lost me yet good okay cool you're tracking me um so we have that uh murph they get a they have a dust storm that comes in through the window uh dust comes in and it forms a binary code uh that they see on the ground uh what happens is it leads to coordinates to what we find as nasa um nasa is now an underground unit that operates um uh, essentially underground <laughs> um, with government funds that are hidden from the public knowledge because they don't want them to know that they're spending money on NASA as opposed to food resources. Right, like gummies and... Like gummies. <laughs> like, candy bars. You know, those Milky Ways you were talking about. <laughs> those, those Mars bars. <laughs> um, but, and I mean, that, that also mirrors, if you look at the space race back in the 60s, there were a lot of people that were like, why are we, this is futile. Why are we wasting our time with this when I'm starving? We're wasting our time to beat Russia to space. That's not what that was about, though. And that's, I mean, I could see on the surface level why someone would be upset if they, you know, like the government's using my money for this and I pay my taxes and everything. But that's not what that's about. Right. Um, he even says that in the movies. Like, I pay my taxes. Why isn't my kid going to college? Exactly. And then we find out that NASA's right there. Um, you know, I mean, there's so many good scenes in this, but the one scene when uh, him and Donald, John Cooper and Donald are on the porch and they talk about their explorers and pioneers. They're not caretakers. They're not meant to be on that earth and just take care of it. They're meant to go out and explore. Um, I think the idea of manifest destiny is at the, the home of all this. Like, are you familiar with manifest destiny? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we, we, we have to... Inhabit, inhabiting is the it's inevitable we are going we, yes we are going to to spread our seed wherever we can <laughs> we can't be we can't be uh constrained to what we just have and complacent we man was meant to journey explore or, yep and it's so... i mean that's, we have the ocean we have outer space we have the wild west <laughs> <laughs> i mean if we just yeah if if we all just stayed where we were we wouldn't know about these things absolutely um so so you have that, and um, he goes to NASA, um, runs into, coincidentally, his old professor uh, when he worked at NASA. It was a former colleague, essentially, at NASA. Um, and then we get to meet Dr. Brand, the Anne Hathaway, Dr. Brand. We get to meet Romley, um, and we get to meet Doyle, 
and they explain that they're working on a mission to save the Earth, essentially, because Earth was not meant to be saved, Earth in general, but Earth is the people. They were meant to be saved. Um, so we were meant to leave Earth, is what is what Michael Caine's character says, Dr. Uh, Doctor Brand. Um, yeah, it's not, it's not our planet, but we it, live here. Yeah, we inhabit it. We're paying rent. Yeah. Um, and we killed it, but we, we need to find... We're like a rock band that stayed at a motel six and just thrashed the <laughs> shit out of the room a motel left. six we're yeah. a pretty shitty rock band. well we have a band <laughs> <laughs> a guy in a really nice camper wants to, wants to put our stuff on the radio the oneaters let's <laughs> sign it we're all signing it. you're signing it um, but i mean that's basically what it is <laughs> yeah no and and agreed so um, he explains to Cooper that he's the best pilot that he ever has. So there's that subtle ex- exposition that I think is, is great with Nolan because he's not like, you don't need to go back and be like, yeah, in 1962 I enrolled in NASA or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just... I mean, they even make fun of it. He goes, you know, a few minutes ago he didn't even know I was alive. Right, right. But he said we were still going to do it anyways because that's what you... That's that central theme of that Manifest Destiny is we just have to explore and do it. Even if we're we're not fully comprehending what could happen, it's about admitting what we don't know and moving forward from there. Um, and that shouldn't scare anybody. And unfortunately, that's why we, that's why some people can't do or go places that they want to go is because they're scared of the unknown. So, um, them finding McConaughey was obviously for cinematic purposes. It was, it worked out well. Um, but he also, uh, Michael Caine conveyed it to him in a way that was like, look, you can save your kids. You can save their future. Right. So, um, once you're a parent, you're the ghost of your children's future. And he explains that to Murph as he's telling her to leave. Um, but it's also foreshadowing too. You're a ghost of your, your right. child's future. Um, cause you kind of forget about the ghost, right? You know, the ghost, you see the ghost or the remnants of a ghost activity as it were at the beginning. Yeah. And then it is a very, 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 very long time before we get back to that. Yeah. Um, I think it, there's hints to it and, and, you know, I think the watch plays a central piece too in it. Um, I think time is, is a, is a huge theme in this movie. Um, the theory of relativity and everything. Um, but the time with the watch, um, time and age in general of what they're, they're talking about and just gravitational pulls. Right. And, all that. and that's, and you know, I am not ashamed to admit that that's where it just gets over my head when, right. with time and, yeah. and how gravity affects it and how, it just seems odd to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I get that it's a thing and that it's 100% accurate, but it's just weird for me to be able to wrap my brain around. We both have a digital timer. Yep. Right? We both hit start and we both take 60 breaths in one minute. Yeah. Your minute is different than my minute. Right. I don't understand that. So I... <laughs> I I will caveat again by saying I'm not an astrophysicist, nor do I know enough, but I did stay at a Motel 6 last night, <laughs> Holiday Inn last night, um, and we trashed the place. Mm-hmm. But um, So basically, if you if you look at dimensions, like there's three dimensions, So, um, but we see it in a 2D way, but you have, they're like coordinates, three coordinates, and you can look at a city map where you have a street, a cross street, and the the story of the floor that you're, the floor that you're going to for a building, right? So three coordinates of where they need to meet. The other dimension that we can't manipulate is time. We can to a certain point, but we can't fully manipulate time. Once we get higher than a third dimension, that's when time can be 
changed. Um, so we can essentially slow down or maybe increase time depending on the gra gravitational pull. And that's why it's so important that um, Dr. Brand was finding the solution to gravity. Um, he couldn't solve gravity, or so we thought. Um, so that was that was the biggest issue. But if you look at it from a paper, I mean, our only constraint right now is that time is something we can't change. We can only live in the present. We can't live in the future. We can't live in the past. If you were to somehow transcend this third dimension and get to the higher dimension, you could essentially look at your life as like a timeline. And instead of saying, oh, I went I went to college on this day and this year. No, you're, you're always going to college because right. it's, it's, it's all, no longer linear. Exactly. It's all spread across. It's, it's constantly happening. It's kind of mind bottling. <laughs> you know, bottles the mind. Bottles the mind. But um, no, it's great. And the theory of relativity, I mean, Einstein said that the only constant was the speed of light. And we're all observers in it. So in a vacuum, the speed of light's the only constant. Everything else can change around that. Um, so, you know, back to what Kip Thorne was saying, and by Nolan keeping it scientific, he, he did. Like, this is all stuff that's that's plausible, like hypothetically, but it's not something that time travel isn't off the table. Essentially, we could invent time travel. We just have to find a way to manipulate it. We need a flux capacitor. We need a flux capacitor. And <laughs> this one baby point, needs and, to hit eighty-eight miles per hour. One point twenty-one gigawatts. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's it's not a completely far-fetched idea. It's gonna it's gonna be pretty damn hard, but that's what science is. Like, right. <laughs> we're never gonna know unless we try and explore. Um, so. In a certain sense, yeah, it, it is a lot, and that's why it was good for me to watch it. Plus, when I was talking to my friend John about it, who's incredibly knowledgeable about this stuff, it made more sense, and he has a great way of explaining it in that. Or I would recommend Mr., you know, Dr. DeGrasse Tyson. Right. Um, so, uh... I mean, and that's fine and dandy. And and for the sake of the movie, I agree with it. Right. I'm like, okay, yeah, sure, I'm not going to dwell on this or try and understand you know, 20 years of sure. school. Well, and you, and you <laughs> should I mean, and, and it's, it is, it, it, that's hard for a filmmaker to do. I mean, it's, that's kind of boring when you have a filmmaker do that. You want to give your audience respect, like treat them as, as knowledgeable movie watchers, but also give them a little bit of, you know, manja right. something. But I mean, it takes eight seconds for them to explain in the movie why it is the way that it is. And then we accept it and we move on. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. Like, I like how Romley explained the black hole to him um, and why we see it as a, as a sphere sometimes. And he explained, he drew the line on the paper and uh, right. For folding the space, distances yep, yes. and how we see things. And we, like he explains, we see things on a 2d surface, right? But if you look at it from that third dimension, which we, we live in and we can exist, we can go left, right, up, down, whatever, um, Time is that fourth dimension. I'll talk about the fifth dimension later. Um, but that's why we see it as that sphere. Because what's 3D of a circle? A sphere. Right. Um, and no one's been through a wormhole, nor do we... We are barely scratching the surface of what we think wormholes are. So that's where they took liberties with, but that's where science can take liberties with. Right. We can only speculate. Because it's theory. But that's yeah. what Einstein was doing back in the early 20th century Again, i'm still on board so cool i'm, I'm right there with that alone with McConaughey going like, through the sphere so badass um so back to the movie they wait do you know why the ship is spinning so i think that has to do with i think that has to do with gravity because i think they're enacting a equal force on it maybe to 
to yeah, I felt it had something to do with their speed and their acceleration and going to well, the planets. <clears throat> I think it's it's probably something like that, but it's also probably to maintain gravity um, for what they have, because otherwise right. they would just be essentially floating. Right. Um, so it's probably a way to counteract the, the pull. Um, again, don't quote me on it, so I apologize if I'm wrong, uh, but that was my interpretation of it. Um, it also was a great plot point because it gave that awesome scene mm-hmm. um, when he's almost like blacked out. He's Ugh. yeah, that's cool. Um, so uh, but, black out, you take control. Yeah, Tars, man, R.I.P. Actually, no, he's alive. Mm-hmm. I like Tars. Um, I like you. Thanks, man. <laughs> uh, so you know, we're not meant to save the world; we're meant to leave it. I love that line. Right. I absolutely love that line because I am. 100% full-fledged on board with anything space exploration and and getting out of here. Any any type of like moon landings or Mar- the Mars rover and all that stuff, dude, I am so excited about the cap- or the possibilities of us getting out of here. Um it's fantastic to think that and to be so simple-minded to shut any of that off is just what led to that downfall um of the dust bowl essentially what we reverted back to. Um so I think one of the things that is interesting is the towns and the, and, and the country are so, or earth is so quick to poo poo science and push that away. Like the, how NASA is underground and secretive. Um, yet they rely on technology for their farming, for pretty much anything else that they have. They are so reliant on technology, which is incredibly relevant to now where we have people that are you know against science oh what's science it's like you have a you have magic a, you have a you have an iphone you got a Burner. Com- you, you got a computer in your hands right like that- and john lithgow's character is basically us right yes he's, he's saying you know i grew up in a time where every day there was just a new invention mm-hmm. and everyone was had to have it you know that's that's us with our iphones absolutely i hope i'm john lithgow and, and your and your apple watches they should podcast. Do you know what? Do you know how they could have ended this? They could have just had John Lithgow take them to his home planet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Third Rock. Third Rock. Yeah. That was a great show. Did you, you know, you mentioned uh, like the moon landing and all that stuff and how yeah. that's exciting for you. Did you see Apollo 18? Was, uh, was, was that the horror movie one when they yeah, went? Yeah, like no. why we stopped going to the moon. I thought you were going to say Apollo 13, but then no. I <laughs> no, I did not see it. Was it, was it okay? Yeah, it was fun. It okay. is what it is. Yeah. But I mean, I like the idea of... You know, why did we stop going to the moon? It's a good question. That's no, it's 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 accurate. I'm sure there's obviously an answer out there. Aliens, but... dude. Oh, that'd be so cool. <laughs> They're not the nice ones. Aliens. It's not like Alf. <laughs> Where they want to watch TV and shit. It's a xenomorph. These are these are mean aliens. Well, as long as we have Ripley with us, we'll be fine. We do not. Damn it. Okay. <laughs> She's busy. Yeah. So um, they take off into space, and and they're they're just now going to space. This again, this is an 18 hour movie. It's so long. You um, could fly to Australia, and it'd still be playing. <laughs> So, from California. So they have those those plans, right? So their their plan A is um, find a habitable planet and colonize it essentially uh, with with the astronauts at first, and then bring people right. over. So we from skipped Earth. over that. Yeah, there was thirteen astronauts. Ten, ten astronauts. Uh, thirteen the, astronauts that the, left ten years. There were thirteen who discovered thirteen possibly habitable habitable planets because they found a wormhole by Saturn, mm-hmm. and the wormhole was a gateway to um, another galaxy. Another galaxy, which is remarkable because we can't we have no way of getting to another galaxy absolutely our galaxies uh from our standpoint you know yeah it's it's huge and it's big and we have no way of really getting to the end of it and this wormhole there's all these gaps in galaxies right there's just this blank blackness of space 
and then you have these clusters, these galaxy clusters, and we have no way of getting to those. So it's really exciting about the prospect of traveling to another galaxy mm-hmm. and seeing what they have to offer. Mm-hmm. And we get to a point where we now have three possible planets that can be inhabited. Yep. The problem lies with choosing the right planet. And the astronauts that arrived at these planets were supposed to set, collect data, send back signals, and anyone that's still getting data, then we know that they are either still alive or that the conditions are that which we can survive in. Right. Possibly. It's all big mites. Right. Ifs. Yeah. And I mean, but that's... That's the best chance that we have. That's the explorer part. And and three planets in one solar system that we can get to is pretty good odds. It's a lot better than just letting the Earth... Just (laughs) folding over and letting the Earth kill itself, essentially. Eating your your bowl of dust and and corn. Corn flakes. (laughs) Plenty of corn flakes. Um, no, absolutely. So the, the plan A, yes, is getting everybody to the habitable planet. Uh, plan B is using embryos and colonizing the first, like, I think it's like 2000 or a thousand or something like that, then breeding and colonizing. So they never address how many people would get to go in plan. Yeah. So I I mean, is there going to be like a lottery? Is it, you know, the rich people get to go, the... The smart people get to go. Who Who is the lucky few that get to make it onto this super mega arc 2.0? I feel like it's an irrelevant detail to the movie, but um, I would... If I mean, I, we don't ask that question. Yeah, that's true. If I were to guess, I would just say, like, I think you'd want diversity because they... they, they, they... <laughs> Clearly everyone in this room gets to go. <laughs> yeah, duh. <laughs> Can you I know. bring a plus 12? People <laughs> All like, guys. <laughs> people like the DBC podcast. Um, so, uh, no, I think that... Um, you need diversity, um, and they talk about that with the embryos. Right. They say to properly colonize, you know, a society, you need diversity, which hundred uh, percent agree. Um, so I think you can pick and choose. I mean, the same thing could be said for like a zombie apocalypse. Like, how do you re- how do you repopulate the earth? Well, you need to have people of different skills and backgrounds and origins. Um, so maybe maybe that, but I don't think it would be like the super wealthy. I mean, maybe it's like based off of good character too, or something. I don't know. I, and and we don't even really address other cities. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. this farm wherever the hell they are. Planet. Cause you, <laughs> yeah, because you don't even know if. But here's the thing: is you don't even know if they're in like Kansas because they chase the drone to the ocean. Right. So they're definitely in an ocean city, but it's like a farm city. But the New York Yankees play there. Right. So it's this could be New York, but they had to convert it to a farm town because that was our only way of of living so it's a very interesting dystopian future that we have to look at but and we don't even know what year it is exactly and the ambiguity of that is i think what's so cool about it is it's scary because the cars look like ones that you see when you look out your window right now right and but they're all like pieces of shit from the dust and Mm -hmm. and all that but you're right there's there's no flying cars or anything it's it's just a very rip off (laughs) (laughs) i mean you gotta use your hands <laughs> That's a baby's you guys game. Guys are doing it wrong. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so when they're in space, they have uh, they spoiler they jump through the wormhole. It's incredible. It's crazy. Um, they get they experience, um, you know, contact. With yeah. Another being. Yep. Yeah. Anna Hathaway touches Flubber. Um, this yeah. like goo, <laughs> and um, first handshake. Right. Um, and then they get to the the system the solar system so they have to go to dr miller's planet first 
Because it's closest. Because it's closest. And they have the last known data from her planet. Um, but there's a problem. Yes. Gargantua. Gargantua. That's a code for fucked up wormhole that's close by. <laughs> giant wormhole. Yeah. yeah you, got, you got this giant wormhole that's a passive wormhole. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. A gi- it's, a, it's a black hole. Yes. But it's like a passive yeah. black hole. So this is uh, one of those rare types of black holes that you could actually get relatively close without getting sucked in uh, i mean that's that's a two dollar education on black <laughs> holes that i got from the movie right um but it's interesting because i i feel like i've even seen videos of stars collapsing being too yeah. close to black holes yeah so this is a a real treat yeah. as it were like this is you know we are we as in us on planet earth are in a unique position to where everything is perfect to where this planet is able to be what it is and sustain the life that it does. Yep. Where and now and we need he to He says that. He's like it's a perfect planet. Right. You know. Now we need to find something as close to that as possible, Absolutely. which could be nearly impossible, but now we have a chance at 3. Um but this is where the movie gets complicated for me because now we're dealing with time. Mm-hmm. And I like I said earlier, I have a hard time wrapping my brain around it. They even go to a point where they skirt on the the opposite side of Gargantua so they can be protected to an extent from the extensive time lapse, but from they're it, able to yeah. delay it to where an hour on this planet would be seven years in our time. Yep. And including uh, Romley, who stays on the ship, he is on the same we'll say time zone for yep. lack of a better word yeah. with planet earth. Yep. Um, even though he has now crossed to this other galaxy, he is still on the same time wavelength as you or I in this room right now recording this podcast. Yeah. But then once, um, Anne Hathaway and Wes, Wes Bentley, Bentley and Matthew McConaughey go to the planet. They are now, they're in the shit. Mm-hmm. And, literally every hour that they are there is now seven years yeah literally every every minute they're there is like months. yeah wasting time he yeah. even makes point he's like come on dude go no chit chat no just no go. lollygag just yeah <laughs> bunch yeah. of lollygagging sons of bitches playing around <laughs> in the water splashing making waves <laughs> and i'm just like dude go yeah. but mind you gravity's 130 percent 140 percent times earth so uh that is a lot heavier and harder to walk because it's it's like when when Goku trained in yeah. uh, in like double gravity, he's a lot stronger. Or when you go to Colorado and the altitude's a lot higher, right. it's along that same lines. Where our bodies aren't used to that, so you have that against you too. Um, I could do it, but I walk around with like two pound bags of sand. <laughs> her, her breasts, they felt like bags of sand. <laughs> They're imported. Um, no big deal. <laughs> acting weird Uh, (laughs) (laughs) cameo um but yeah so they're on this planet now right and they're looking for signs of life yep this uh looks like there's mountains in the background yeah Yeah. you know there's water uh, there's definitely water yeah they're like uh knee deep in water Mm -hmm. a little less than knee deep in water um so they can grow a lot of rice patties there you go um no fun substitute for corn yep have some rice fields and uh it looks beautiful yeah. You know, this is part of the whole production design. You know, mm-hmm. like I'm loving these planets. And mm-hmm. this is one of the things that got me most excited about was traveling to other planets. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. think that's fascinating. Oh, yeah. And anytime I can see multiple suns, mm-hmm. 
I just lose my shit. Like, uh, like on a Star Wars Tatooine kind yeah, of level, yeah. I am so jealous of any planet that gets to look yeah. at maybe even another planet so close that you can see it. Like, if you could literally see the rings of Saturn, it would be amazing. Like, if I yeah. went to a... It's like when you go and check into a hotel, and you're like, you look at the view, and you get the parking lot. And you're like, God damn it, this shit sucks. And then yeah. if you would have lucked out and got the other one that looks at the ocean, then you're like, oh yeah, this place yeah. is amazing. It totally affects your absolutely your stay, right? And so we're on this beautiful water planet, and it turns out those mountains aren't mountains. It's a wave. Yeah. That's some scary shit. It's very scary. Are you glad that there were no sea creatures? I mean, there... Did they, you want to see a they, fin or anything? They wouldn't have fit the narrative of the film. I mean, I'm sure there was some sort of form of life there. On any of these planets, I'm sure there's some form of life. I mean, that's me being facetious, but there could be. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it would have fit the narrative of the story. It would have kind of been out of pocket, maybe. Right, um, like that giant octopus that or, gets Frodo. Or, like <laughs> or like that stupid thing in, in Big Trouble in Little China that jumps out of the cave and eats the guy. It made no sense at all. You say stupid. <laughs> That was critical. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, um, so, Big Trouble in Little China is a documentary shot in real time. <laughs> oh, Lopan. Um, so, I think that there is a clause also in, in Matthew McConaughey's movies that he has to surf every time because right. they surf in the ship down that giant wave. Right. He stays but on board. He does. Um, so, it's addressing the time issue. I mean, um, we that that's the part about it is is we don't necessarily know because. Because Romley and Anne Hathaway say, you know, like, it should be about seven years compared to that one. We have no idea, though. Right. They're using science to make essentially educated guesses Show on Show your that. work. <laughs> yeah, essentially educated guesses on that um, of, of what can happen. They were drastically wrong. 23 years pass when they come back and, and Romley, you know, Doyle dies because um, they, they can't he get to... He didn't keep his arms and legs inside the vehicle at all times. He was just... He should have went, went back quicker and it's because um, Brand was being dumb and she... Well, I mean, but here's here's the question. Yeah, I'll, and he was even closer to right, the ship. Right, right. Well, here's the question I'll pose to you. So, the reason that Brand was was staying back was she wanted to grab the... Reco- the data. Yeah, the, the recording. So it's not all for nothing. Exactly. Knowing, though, that they're wasting all this time, McConaughey wants to get back because he doesn't want to waste any more time away from his family. But they also had certain death approaching them. She didn't care. She wanted the data, so it's all for nothing. You know, it's not all for nothing. That's where the human element comes into play for this. So we can have the data and we can have the science, but we sometimes will take that human element and we will reach out and go and do those things because we have to. Because... We need to, we, we yearn to to experience the more and the whys and the hows and stuff instead of logically thinking like, I need to save my life. We see that different though with Matt Damon, right? right? So, But I mean, so going back, we, we have the power of hindsight in this situation, but uh-huh. if this is a planet that's filled with water that has a giant wave coming... Mm-hmm. I'm not interested in living on this planet. <laughs> same and same with me. And that's not even me thinking like I need to find out what happened. Why? Yeah, I don't it, give a shit anymore because this yes. is obviously not a good place to live. Well, and 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 in in Doctor Brand's mind, she's like, we have to do this because this is finality. This is one of our last chances of finding this. Right. Right. What if there's another part of the planet that doesn't have this big ridiculous wave? Exactly. I felt like it was just 
one continuous ball of ocean. I think so too. With a wave that cycles oh, that continuously. Suck. That's not a way to live, man. That's what it felt like. Yeah. Because maybe even because of the black hole, it's just yeah. sort of almost like a like an orbiting wave, yep. we could call it, where it's just yeah. a continuous Well, uh, gravity affects the tides essentially. Mm-hmm. So, um it's that would be yeah, that would be something terrifying and I think that's all the proof I would need. But again, mm-hmm. I'm not driven by this worst case scenario that she's she's in um of course not so bad (laughs) so so yeah so so they end up getting back up to the ship 23 years have passed um and romley is he's almost given up essentially and he said i didn't know if you're gonna come back and then we get the amazing scene when the heartbreaking scene when mcconaughey reviews the messages he has for 23 years where he essentially watches his kids grow up have kids of their own his uh, step or his father-in-law die um his daughter is now the age that he was when he left that part broke my heart i was like oh my god so sad she's like so now would be a great time for you to come home like 23 years that's man. the one time she records yeah. a transmission yep. and it's to say dude wtf yeah but and and you know it's it's one of those things that the the miscommunication is so big on that because like they they don't know what he's going through and he doesn't know what they're going through. And it's just, it's him. It was two years of sleep to get to Saturn and go through the wormhole. And this is more like, I just took a long nap and now I'm awake. So for him, it might even feel like just days. Right. Absolutely. But for them, it's 23, 24, 25 years, whatever it's been for them. Yeah. That's terrifying. Isn't that crazy? And then we pick up on, on Dr. Brand or on uh, Murph's story. Murph is now an adult, uh, beautiful Jessica Chastain. Um, and she is now under the tutelage of Dr. Brand, Michael Caine. Um, and they're working together to solve the equation that he promised um, Cooper that he would solve in order to get the people from Earth to a different planet. Um, she's a whippersnapper. She's incredibly smart. Um, her brother, though, is taken on the farming role. He's still living in the dust because, you know, he's shaking his fist at the sun. <laughs> lost a child. <laughs> he lost a child because of, of the dust. Like, dude, that was... They didn't even dive into that much. They just yeah. implied it through through the script and talked about it. Like, it was... Yeah. Yeah, you might even miss it your first time watching Exactly. It. I missed it my first time because... Because Casey Affleck, he just kind of talks like this. Yeah. I'm Casey Affleck. <laughs> my brother Ben is Batman. <laughs> <laughs> so... You don't really, and at the same time, what it's sad to say, but you're not really interested in what he's watching. Yeah. You're interested in his reaction. Yeah, like this is this. You know, we can joke about Matthew McConaughey just being a, a weirdo hippie that doesn't use deodorant, but yeah, at true. the end of the day, <laughs> he is a dynamite actor. He really and, is. And Dallas uh, Buyers Club. He he deserved the Oscar. The, I was I was floored after I saw that movie. His performance, him and Jared Leto. Like you saw that, right? Mm-hmm. No. <sighs> That movie is intense, but he's great. Sad. It's so sad, but it's it's intense. And he, um, again, you're right. Like it's just it's a beautiful shot of um, just his emotional reaction to the, him watching the video, and all you right. hear is in the background, and you're saying like they're spinning, and you're just seeing the light, and flash you on feel his face. those 23 years over the course of a few seconds. You're literally transported yeah. into what it was for him yeah. to be moments on this planet is now those same moments that we're seeing and it was actually like visually it's hard to really show that Mm -hmm. and just having those videos um was a a perfect way to convey that message to the audience yeah and i mean again still 100 percent on board yeah and that's what (laughs) but and and to answer your earlier question that's what nolan does is he he puts you in there like you're vicariously experiencing these moments because 
I think all of us could, how could you imagine seeing something unfold like this in front of you and realizing there's no way I can go back. Right. It's, it's just heartbreaking. But so yeah, we see Murph. Um, she's working with Dr. Brand. She's incredibly smart. Um, yeah. Uh, Tom lost a kid, uh, his, her brother, he lost a kid because this is what I picked up on too, is when he first showed the son, he's like, say hello to your, your, or your grandson, whatever his name was. Uh, we were, I was going to call Jess. him Coop. Yeah. I was going to call Jesse. I was going to call him Coop, but Lois said maybe next one. And then when you see them again, their new son's named Coop. He says Cooper. And you're like, Oh damn. Yeah, what happened what happened? The other <laughs> I know he had the black lung. So, um, <laughs> and then, uh, Venom makes an appearance as the doctor in this movie too. Topher Grace. <laughs> yes. That's right. Or Eric as a like Foreman for Eric Foreman. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, I mean, she's still working. Murph is still working. And, and we'll, we'll jump ahead through some of this so you know they... they So now she's she's come to terms, to a degree, of that, that the world needs to be saved. Yes. Or not necessarily the world needs to be saved. Humanity needs to be saved. Yeah. So she's on board with that. But she still is resentful that it had to be her father that left. Mm-hmm. Perhaps she would have... Um, you know, lived her life a little bit differently. Her father was her hero, and he felt that he needed to go. And she still doesn't understand why it had to be him. I mean, especially when he makes a point like, you guys are going to do this without me anyway. Yeah. You know, but he just needs to be out there. He is an explorer, as you say. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's still pretty tough choice it's a very tough kids well but i mean but i mean he he talked about that he said that he needed to do that in order to have his uh his children survive essentially and their generation survive and and i think we can all take a lot from that is if we look at what we're doing we're getting killed by the baby boomers and and stuff like that because they're the worst you know they're they're (laughs) my parents are the worst (laughs) they're they're 40 hours a week they're three martini lunches they're ten thousand dollars for college for four years compared to our, you know, hundred thousand dollars. Let's take it to the dump. You know how many times I heard my dad say that? I gotta make a dump run. Yeah. Dude, where are you putting all this just stuff, bro? No recycling, like the just dump. just hurting us. And these are the sacrifices you have to make. And um she fu- she doesn't fully, you know, she's still resentful, like you were saying. Um, so Dr. Brand dies. Uh <gasps> yeah, spoiler. He dies. He admits to Murph that he knew the the answer to the equation the whole time, but plan B was what he wanted to go for the entire time. So he tricked. Yeah, plan uh, A was always plan B. Plan A was always plan B. And this is something that's really interesting, Justin. Which again, floored me. It, I thought that was the coolest revelation in the movie that, as it yeah, was happening. That's a true sci-fi twist where you're like, it's not something that's, oh, my brother is actually my sister. Or, right. <laughs> or it's not a Scooby-Doo twist. It's something that you... <laughs> I would have got away with it, <laughs> It's something that you can actually think about, and it's tangible, and you're like, holy shit, like, yeah. this is human emotion at play. Yeah, and he's he's literally crying and begging for forgiveness on his deathbed. And exactly. And Which she doesn't give. No, but would you? I mean... I'm a nice guy. But... He essentially doomed the entire... He gave up on the Earth without even actually continuing to try. It's hard, and it's hard to to say, because in the heat of the moment, I mean, everyone will think differently, but um, it's hard to say, can you make that sacrifice? Now, is that heroic that he's making that sacrifice? Because he's like, I know what needs to be done. I don't think so. I think he's been selfish his entire life. Exactly. I I don't think... 
by finally admitting to the truth that he has somehow redeemed himself. Yes. Instead, he is just being, you know, an honest person. Yep. For once. So he's thinking logically. He's not using his heart. And he's not using love. Whereas McConaughey, this entire movie... Was driven by love. Was driven by love. His entire purpose was for his kids. To get back to his kids. Dr. Brand, Michael Caine, was not using that that logic. He was using science and data. His his own daughter, it still kind of felt like he didn't consider her. He sent her on this mission without her even knowing about it. Mm-hmm. Without her knowing that that was an option. Now, he wanted to preserve her because she was going to colonize the planets. Yeah, she's going to be a baby maker. But how incredibly selfish and how chauvinistic yeah, he's of the worst to, to think of that. And it's so interesting. So there's, I guess there's your, there's your twist. There's your Pepsi twist right there is they made him a villain. And I didn't, I didn't even think about that. Um, but that's a decision. And instead of Murph folding and just laying it down and be like, whatever, we're doomed. She's like, no, I have to press forward because that's what you do. That's science. Like that's exploration, all that. Um, and she does. So, then they have a decision when they get uh, back to the spaceship, Cooper and all them. Cooper, Romley, and Brand, um, and their two robot things, scary things, Tars and Case. Have Tars to- and Lars. <laughs> Tars and Case. They have, to, they have to make a decision, okay? They have only enough fuel to get uh, to one of the two planets that are remaining. They have Dr. Edmund's planet, which has promising data, but it's just data. And then they have Dr. Man's planet, where... Um, you know he's a big scary man, but he um he has he's still sending beacons to the ship, um, which is evidence that he himself is still alive. Yes, and uh, Doctor Brand earlier said that Doctor Man was the best of all of them, and all the space exploration stuff wouldn't have been possible if it wasn't for him. So science—that's a lot of weight in his corner. Exactly, and 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 the facts and science show that you know that was the route to go. So naturally, you'd think that Anne Hathaway's character, Dr. Brand, would side with that. Because they have to make a decision. They can only go to one. But she doesn't uh, want... Assuming that they're, they want to make it home. Assuming they want to make they, it home. They can go to both planets uh, just fine. Yeah. But the fuel calculation was for yes. a return journey. Yes. And then, thus, that would be ending plan A, essentially, if they were to do both planets. So they, have to only pick, they can only pick one if they want to stick with plan A. Um, so they have to decide Dr. Edmund's planet, which has promising data, or they can go to Dr. Mann's, which has a ping and it's, it's a lot more, you know, scientifically and, and factual based. Um, it's more habitable. So Dr. Brand, you know, um, decides to choose Dr. Edmund's planet and she kind of gives a lackluster answer just oh it's more promising right it's a prospect because we all gargantua know gargantua yeah what's her explanation <laughs> oh it, yeah yeah it's it's further from gargantua and stuff um but cooper explains like that's not what we're doing like we're looking at it science you need to tell romley why you want to it turns out she's in love with dr edmonds and she explains that yes i would be remiss if i were not to say that i don't love him and i'm letting my my heart get into this you know um, she also talks about how love is the only thing that transcends time and dimensions. Um, and I think that's so, so big on what you're saying. Like you said, you're, you're on board with the, 
we can have the hows and the whys and the who's and what, where's and when's and stuff, but love is something that we can't necessarily explain. You have your social utilitarian love, which, you know, you're taking care of your children, taking care of your parents, taking care of your siblings. Um, but there's that love that can guide us and, and that peace that makes us go and yearn for more things. It's the reason why we'll do a podcast or something like that. It's because we enjoy doing it. Um, it doesn't have to be necessarily explained. It's just it's something that can, you know, defy all the logic that's in there. Right. Sometimes it's the best answer we have. And it, and it could be something as simple as whatever. I'm getting a calling to come to Washington. Absolutely. Right? You know, I was in California and something told me that I had to come to Washington. Absolutely. My life changed dramatically when I got here. Yeah. Some for the good, some for the worse. But... <laughs> it changed and something told me to come here couldn't explain it and that's the thing is like we become so complacent with with the things in in our in our comforts and using facts to say oh well i don't like a b and c or um this makes more logical sense from a standpoint of you know x y and z whereas you should just think what the hell take this leap of faith what's the worst that could happen if i hear a calling telling me i need to do this then that's where i need to go and that was her thought process behind it. That's what Cooper's thought process has been behind it the whole time. But he's still pretty pissed that she grossly miscalculated uh, the years and, and what would happen on Miller's planet, the water planet, right. Kevin Costner's water world planet. It's so. interesting you use the word leap or the phrase leap of faith because yeah. um, one of the producers, Linda Opst, she also did the movie Contact. Which that's a really which really good movie follows along the same lines, you know, like the idea of taking a leap of faith. Wasn't McConaughey in that one too? Yes, yeah. He was. yeah. All right. <laughs> Did you surf in that one? <laughs> yeah, he surfed with with Jake Busey. Oh yeah, it was amazing. He's a bad guy. Yeah, he's like some real, like Bible thumping son of a bitch. Yeah. That, yeah. That that is offended at the idea of science over religion. Right. And there is, I don't know if quantifiable is the right word, but there is a, a way to calculate and measure both to get the right answer. For Absolutely. People. Absolutely. Yeah. But I mean, do you kind of see how that, how that plays that central theme where? Right. Or, so, yeah. So again, still on board at this point. Okay, good. Because I, I can totally see her point of view. Yeah. You know, if I knew that, that so if I knew that you were marooned on a planet, Zach, yep. and I had a, uh, you were on planet B, and everyone wanted to go to planet A, I would say, no, man, Zach's on B. I gotta go there. Yeah, I love that man. Thanks, man. He is my tauntaun. I'm gonna crawl inside him <laughs> and Rawr! keep warm, <laughs> and it's gonna be amazing. I'll let my intestines warm you any day. Yeah, um, and so I, I mean, I totally get that from yeah. If she literally went across the universe, and it would be ridiculous not to go there. Yeah. Yeah. It's I and I see and I see her argument. Absolutely. And then I and I feel like um that Matthew McConaughey is just kind of being a dick. He, you know he, like he, is. he knows that she was wrong about yeah. the first planet. Yeah. And he's holding that against her. He's not doing it because of science. He's just trying to find a a reasonable way to disagree with her find a flaw in her logic and yeah. for me i don't know if i'm just the type of person that would say well okay i i understand your plight <laughs> and i'll go along with it yeah 
I mean, I, I that's but that's me. Yeah. You know, I'm I am not motivated by my kids being stuck getting dust on their corn. <laughs> it's just that's corn boys. I have <laughs> corn boys. <laughs> uh, Duran Duran reference. And <laughs> anywho, um, so that, I mean, again, that makes sense, and I'm yeah. still not lost in this movie. I'm right. still enjoying it. Good. I'm still loving every second of it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, this, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring it home. I, I promise, I'll bring yeah. it home. All right, so. Um, and he says that too. He says like, you know, Dr. Brand's like, are you punishing me for what happened on Miller's planet? And he said, no. And then she explains that, um, okay, well, if we go to Dr. Mann's and it proves to be a dud, we have only enough fuel to make it back home or to the next planet. And you have to make that decision. She goes, I doubt you're going to put up much of an argument yeah. against that. Use right? that same sort of resolve. It, exactly. When it comes to your kids. And and I think that's, we, we have those challenges every day is we, sometimes we have to follow our heart. Sometimes we have to follow logic. There's no right or wrong, but somehow in some way we believe that love will probably conquer all, you know, very Terry Gilliam, very Brazil. Yeah. Um, Dave, but Geek Legacy Podcast. Terry Gilliam. Oh, <laughs> Not a fan. <laughs> I, I'm, you know, I, I, I appreciate what he's done. I just, it's, it, I'm not a huge Terry Gilliam fan either. I, not I, a lot of people are. I like some of his, oh, my friend Mark, he's, he loves Terry Gilliam. Um, I mean, he's some people's Nolan, to be honest. That's with true. You. Yeah. Yeah. He just never Everyone was mine. Everyone has a director that they just go gaga yeah. over. Yeah. He just never was mine. So, um, he wears a hat. <laughs> <laughs> so so they go to they go to Dr. Man's planet um and get down there and awake the beast and surprise surprise it's saving private Ryan. He's in cryo sleep and he's a chubbier Matt Damon. Was not expecting that one. So there's your Pepsi twist again. Yeah. Is we're not expecting Matt Matt Damon. It's like what are you eating on this planet, bro? <laughs> the the he he his robot <laughs> kit or whatever. Um so uh, he explains to them you know the data that it's uh, at the surface. You can you can probably harvest crops and everything, and it, it could be habitable. Um, so him and Coop go start exploring. Uh, he sends Case up to uh, do something with a communique or whatever, and uh, him and yeah, I think they're bringing like survey equipment and yeah. relay stuff. And yeah, to get readings on the planet. I, I think he said because he... they're kind of up in like the mountains, right? So oh, at this time, so they're all in in Matthew McConaughey's like. Um, uh, his ha- his habitat or whatever, and they get a video message uh, from Murph, and she says that Doctor Brand died, and then she says, you know, other Doctor Brand, Anna Hathaway, did you know, like, did you know that your father, this is all a sham, and you guys left us here to die? Doctor Brand and Cooper did not know, and Romley, he didn't really know, but he understood, and he understands why it's kind of obsolete, and it's not gonna, it's it's not gonna. There's no way they could have gotten back home to save everybody. So I think he's more at terms with it. And same with Dr. Man. Dr. Man understood too. So, you know. Yeah, what is what is that? Is that, what kind of disconnect is that to where he is understanding of it, but not upset? So. That's he, kind of, that's kind of a weird reaction. Yeah. I mean, I get because he's a man of, we'll say science, a generic term, but I mean, it's kind of inhuman not to be upset about that. But he's, I, I, I'm sure he is. I think he's, he's trying to be stoic and he's trying to be the Rick Grimes of saying, we, right. we I need guess to if be you necessary. See, if you see other people being upset, yeah. then you can be cognizant yes. of that and yes. then just take it back a notch and try and look at it objectively. Like we, we, this is a necessary evil. I mean, this is, you know, collateral damage, unfortunately, um, for the human race to exist, we have to accomplish 
option B. Option A was never an option, which is it, it's it's so it's so heavy, but option A was never an option. So <laughs> what? Just thinking of Cut the giggles. Hold place. <laughs> I don't. I don't. There's a, there's a King of the Hill episode with uh, Jimmy <laughs> Quichard, the guy that's like, I'm the boss. Have you met him yet? Uh, he's oh like, God. he wants to recycle cans. He's like, when they when they do the NASCAR race, and he's like, uh, people are hot and dry. They want something cold and wet, <laughs> and uh, they're trying to say that he ain't right. And yeah. and um, Dale says, yeah, he tried to. He was a member of our gun club, but you know, he people say his brain got fried when he was staring at the sun too long. <laughs> He's like, of course, if his brain was intact, then why would he stare at the sun? Sort of a chicken in the egg kind of scenario. <laughs> <laughs> and I just immediately thought of a chicken in the egg scenario. Mm-hmm. King of the Hill reference. Got to start inside. laying some eggs on this on Matt Damon's planet. Um, so I, I mean, he he understands what needs to be done. Uh, but Brandon Cooper, like, well, what the fuck? Like, okay, well. What's done is done. We need to colonize this planet. So they follow Matt Damon. Cooper and Matt Damon go. Dr. Man is being really weird. He's asking kind of interesting questions. Um, you know, oh, do you have a transponder? And is it fully charged? Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Some red flag questions. Yeah, red, definitely red flag. He's like, oh, uh, don't don't open up the, the surveillance thing. You don't need to see anything. It's <laughs> yeah, like, there's nothing it, to it's see like here. He didn't clear his, his search history on his browser. Right, <laughs> right, much. right. And uh, he's... It's interesting because TARS yeah. is like, hey, what happened to your, your little robot? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. do you want me to take a look? Do you want me to right. get going? Like, you know, we always ask ourselves when we watch these these science fiction movies, you know, yeah. what does it mean to be human? You know, Absolutely. Even when you watch something like WALL-E, um, you know, it's this garbage robot that has more emotion than any of the fat slobs that are in this movie. Yeah. Right? And it's like, what does it really mean to be human? And, and TARS is programmed but has some very human moments, you yeah. know, even to the point where you can dial back his humor if he's just being that obnoxious asshole, yeah. or he can even be 90% truthful. You know, his honesty level was at 90%. Yeah. And it's like, you know, sometimes you want to hear the right thing, and sometimes you just want to hear what will comfort you. And and those are very, um, you know, on the same level as what we as humans want to react when we're around other people, especially in a dire situation. Absolutely. Like this. And even Tars is like, dude, robots don't blow up like this. <laughs> well, yeah. And, and like his honesty thing is 90 10, and he was talking about that 10%. And he's like, sometimes you have to lie in order to like move on, to progress. Right. You, you can't give the absolute truth every single time. Absolutely. And he's 100%. Tars is picking up on what Matt Damon's putting down. He's like, this guy is so full of shit right now. <laughs> he's, yeah. he's Which like, I thought was pretty cool. Aren't you from Boston? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. And he even says the line to, you know, Matt Damon's like, we couldn't send robots because they don't fear death. They don't experience fear. So they couldn't understand. That's not even necessarily the case. Um, I think it's... If we were to send people like Tars and Case and stuff, I think that they would be more logical in, in, in their choices because, yes, they don't fear death, but also they don't hide from it. Like we find out, spoiler, that Matt Damon is a bad guy, that he lied about his data, he tries to kill um, Cooper, and he has a very weird, sick, and pathetic way of saying, you know, like, I can't watch you die. I thought I could watch it, but not, but, you know, I'm a coward. Yeah. And. He talks about humans, how um, we we 
think we can give a sacrifice, but we yearn for self-preservation. We're right, which is crazy because, like, at the very beginning when they open him up, when they crack open his eggshell and he wakes mm-hmm. up and, you know, he sees humans. You know, he immediately has this sense of relief. He starts crying. Yeah. He hugs uh, Matthew McConaughey. And, you know, I looked over at Alex and I was like, you know, any human being in that room and in this room would feel the exact same way. Oh, absolutely. As soon as they saw somebody, you would immediately start crying. The, the, the overwhelming feeling of just comfort and being rescued would just bring you to tears and you would hug the first person that you saw. Yeah. And right there, you automatically just start to feel like empathetic for this man. Yeah. Like, oh my God. Yeah. And then as the conversation plays out, you're just like, this guy's kind of a weirdo. Oh, he's, a, he's a piece of shit, man. And it's, it's off-putting. Yeah. You know, as he's talking, I'm like, man, fuck this guy. Yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, even before it's like really revealed that he's a bad guy, yeah. you're just like, dude, he's, this guy's Sketchmaster yeah. Mike, man. He, he is lying he, like a son he, of a bitch. Like you're saying, he had all those red flags. Yeah. He had all those red flags. And, and you know, that's why Tars didn't trust him. And he's lying to people that are seeking the truth. Like, these people are literally out to yeah. seek the truth yeah. and what's going on yeah. what what can we have yeah and they don't even catch on yeah. it's really weird maybe they're just like well maybe he's just got like space dust in his face <laughs> <laughs> you know like maybe it's just maybe you he's know got weird some stardust starring robert and nero in his <laughs> it's kind of funny that they don't pick up on that just as like intelligent people well you know, they look at his readings and like these are from the surface this is from the planet oh this is great well Let's celebrate again we can't just rely on pure data we have to that's what makes us human and that's what why we argue with these these um sentient means is can they experience emotion and can they experience the idea of thinking for themselves or thinking hey something's weird with this guy on the surface level he's saying everything accurate but the way he's acting or the way he's kind yeah, of yeah the nonverbal cues exactly i mean you and i have both dealt with some very interesting people in our oh, lives yes and you can <laughs> tell in a almost a, a heartbeat when someone's lying absolutely you. absolutely and i just feel like they've come all this way maybe they want to hear the good news you know yeah. maybe it's it's they're just blinded because they want to hear what he has to that's say their and, they last wanna, and they want to believe him. yeah that's yeah. their last hope right so um yeah so then they have that awesome scene so coop is almost dying he's able to get a uh, case and brand to save him uh romley explodes because uh matt damon booby trapped his his robot that's why it was decommissioned um that fucker and uh tars runs out they take him so case tars brand and, and cooper fly up matt damon tries to dock to the station and they're chasing him the in, space another, chase. yeah, in another ranger um he cannot engage with the uh with the pod and he's still being stubborn again using he's not using logic he's trying to use his self-preservation tactic so i wouldn't qualify this as love i think it's more of a um selfishness of trying to get to the space station so he can get the hell out of there and get home and he forgets that he's not locked he's imperfectly locked the airlock blows he he dies clearly and the space station starts spinning they have to make an amazing beautiful um maneuvers, captain. oh my god man that was such a cool scene i was like gripping my chair even last night i was like i was just holding i couldn't breathe and then right. even though i knew it was going to happen but you're just the relief, you know. Yeah, the sound. I mean, on that that's another oh. one too, where the sound engineering is oh my amazing God. in this movie. Yeah, the visual effects, the practical yes. effects, 
everything about it makes you feel like you're you're a part of it yeah and again still still on board cool still loving it coming home so uh they end up jumping and mcconaughey realizes that they can't go back home so they need to go to edmund's planet he decides that's what we have to do so they maneuver a way to swing around gargantua um use the orbit which is a is a real thing people have swung around in orbits and stuff because i'm i work for nasa um and (laughs) And just shoot around the sun and you go really fast it's amazing and they um they go to they're heading to Edmonds. so tars is in one of the the rovers uh cooper's in one of them too and then uh anna hathaway's character brand is in the other one um they released TARS because they said that they were going to do that so he could collect quantum data and um, go into the black hole. Uh, then they go and... Yeah, so, he was going to go along the surface. like Yeah. Right out, skate along the surface yep. to be able to get to the other side of the event horizon yep. and collect the data. Yep, he was going to... Whether he can transmission it or not is yeah. another story, but at least they'll he have had an to opportunity try. to collect the data. Yeah, he had to try. He had to collect it so that way they could find a, a way to use this wormhole as a passageway. Mm-hmm. So, and since he wasn't a human, you know, like he was commanded to do it essentially. Um, so, which was kind of weird because Matthew McConaughey it almost turns Tars into his throwaway in his mind. You know, I mean, he, of. He, he's just putting on a front for Anne Hathaway. Like, mm-hmm. eh, don't worry about it. Yeah, he really at some point they form a bond. Yeah, to where yeah. Yeah. They understand and respect in one another, which is weird to say because it is a robot. But yeah. uh, they f- have this fundamental understanding of what they need to do. Yeah, and and we see that play out when you know, surprise, surprise, Matthew McConaughey is like, "I have to eject to release weight so Anna Hathaway can survive," and she, you know, doesn't agree. But he says, "I'm sorry, it needs to be done. Like, go find Doctor Edmonds," and he releases. So she's on her way. He goes into the black hole. This is where this scene gets awesome and crazy. We have no idea. No one, and this is where I lose it. Right. We have no idea what a black hole is. We have no idea what's inside of a black hole. We can only guess. So they take liberties with this, right? So all this stuff starts happening. It tells him to eject. He ejects. He's floating into space. What? Yeah, so he's not even wearing a spacesuit. Yes, he is. He doesn't have like a mask. He has a helmet on. Does he? Yeah. Are you sure? Yes, he has a helmet on. He has his whole spacesuit on. He ejects. He's got a cowboy hat on. <laughs> he's got like a cutoff shirt. And, <laughs> and Steve Zahn's there from Sahara. Some boots. Some sweet cowboy boots. Um, he's got his Trans Am in the background too. Uh, so no, he yeah he definitely uh, so he ejects in his suit. But that's the thing is he's like look. If I'm going to die, I'm going to go on different terms. And this is like, this is very reminiscent of the crash that he has in his nightmare. Yes. At the beginning of the movie. Yes. Um, He ejects. Yeah. So he ejects here, goes, he starts falling and all you hear is just the breathing. And then all of a sudden this, this, I don't know, kaleidoscope world opens up where we see bookcases. He gets to the bookcase and he realizes, he looks in that it's Murph's room, that it's Murph, not as jessica chastain it's murph as uh, mackenzie foy right so he then puts two and two together and realizes that he was the ghost the whole time meanwhile jessica chastain is looking through the stuff and she's back at the house she's trying to decide how she can solve this and looking at everything she pulls out his watch and this is also where it gets weird because her brother is little crazy town banana pants yeah shaking his fist yeah he's i hate space i love corn you know we're gonna cough all over each other and it's gonna be amazing you know he's in denial that his family is any in any kind of danger like he's 
literally so lost and and maybe it is because he lost his child he's yeah. just not thinking clearly he is 100 percent out of tune with his surroundings yeah uh almost to the point where his his wife and child feel like hostages absolutely you know they're terrified yeah you know they know that this is it's bad a they're scared yeah. you know when he comes into the room they're they're nervous of how he's going to react and you know they are 100 percent fearful and that is terrifying to me you know versus the relationship that they had with with their father yeah you know they were yeah. you know matthew mcconaughey's cooper was their hero yeah absolutely and casey affleck <laughs> casey ben affleck <laughs> mr mr broody mumble man <laughs> is is a grinch yeah and it, it's weird you know his dad did leave him he did lose his grandfather he lost a son he he's dealt with loss uh, he lost his mother first yeah. obviously so he's dealt with loss his entire life and maybe that's why he's clinging to them as much as he is and you know he wants to preserve them in their home but 100 percent disconnected with what's going on him yeah yes yes i agree it's almost like he's given up he's given up hope um it's it mirrors kind of what what uh dr man was doing where he's like i i don't care about the science and pushing on i i, I care about myself mm-hmm. and he's almost kind of like michael kane too uh casey affleck in a sense because he's like there's no hope here so i'm just gonna ride this shit out and and see what happens it's that stubbornness that that can get you killed too Mm -hmm. so i don't think tom really sat well with me too much because he was he was an integral part but not really either he's a throwaway he was kind of a throwaway um he was more of a like an obstacle than anything yeah it was a speed bump and um so you know murph is looking she's looking at her bookcase saying give me a sign dad and you know that's all this this tension uh cooper gets that that message from tars on his radio is like, holy crap and he tells him the coordinates for quantum uh like direction or whatever um so he then is trying to decide where the hell he's at right now he says why can i see all these bookcases why can i see my daughter he puts two and two together and realizes that they the whole they thing who left him the wormhole who created this this section for them that was him. That was us. That was people. That was in the future. Back to the the time dilation. <laughs> the back chicken to, and the egg. Back to the, <laughs> yeah, back to the linear thing is, who are we to say that this couldn't happen because we can't see into the future? Someone put that in place for him for that purpose. Avengers Endgame. You get <laughs> Avengers. You get Doctor Strange who's saying there's only one way that this can play out. Mm-hmm. And you have to make some sacrifices, but there's a certain thing that you have to do and we focus on that and but see okay so that's where i start to lose it sure this is the part where i am i've been invested in this movie for two and a half hours yep yeah this is this is the final 20 minutes of the movie yep and i'm buying into everything they tell me yep. you know all the science and and these fun formulas and ideas and visually, it's unfolding in front of me. Uh-huh. But where I lose it is in the moment he goes into the black hole and survives. Because I have I have watched fun videos of stars being destroyed sure. by black holes. Sure. And now a man made of very fragile flesh and blood goes into this wormhole. Or not wormhole, this black hole. And... Not only survives, he ejects into it. Now he's in this bookcase, and it's coming full circle in a 
Shyamalan sort of way. In in this this plot twist, the ghost was Cooper the whole time. Yeah. So so now I'm just kind of like, oh my god. <laughs> okay, but like I literally am like leaning back in my seat, like oh my god. But what do you know about black holes? I mean nothing. So so then how is this not plausible? Well, the and, only thing I do know is that light can't escape it. Mm-hmm. The 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 pressure is so great, the gravity is so great, mm-hmm. and to me that means that a human life could not be sustainable for a second in a black hole. So, <laughs> I mean, of course I don't know anything about it. Again. But I mean, at the same time, what I do know, or what I perceive to know, is that it doesn't work. And now, so it's hard for me as a viewer to just say, yeah, okay, sweet. You can eject in a black hole and end up in a bookcase and and have this sort of endless moment in time where it can be at any second you look in this bookcase it's it's whatever back in 82 you look turn around and you scoot over a few steps and and you find out what happened to uncle rico because he didn't win state and and i get what it's doing i'm just not buying into it it bothers me i was following all these scientific rules that i now have to just discard and throw away because i don't know i'm not educated in the ways of black holes and i'm just forced to believe that this is a possibility that can happen so science is is admitting what we don't know right okay so this is something that yeah it could be incredibly (laughs) far-fetched but at the same time i am no sort of institution or someone who can claim that this is wrong because it sounds insane but this is something that cooper realizes that people built this for him or he built this for himself to go back to this one singular point look at movies like back to the future obviously it's a way different movie but our our actions (laughs) get out of here our actions i love back to the future but our actions in the future or our actions in the past can uh, change our future and vice versa now time travel in general is a very very complex idea um you never know where you could step on a bug and it would change the course of time that butterfly effect you know um but when when we transcend that third dimension with our time which i am not capable of doing none of us are i I, you can get i cannot comprehend you can get to that fourth hold on but then there is a fifth dimension it's not the twilight zone like the russian band (laughs) there's not a twilight zone the fifth dimension it's love that fifth dimension is love that's what I feel that Nolan is, is is going towards. And then all you need is love. I mean, that is something that we see. That is why you're asking, you know, I have, I've had watches and stuff in my entire life. Why didn't Murph just throw it away? Because she still loves her father and she still had that hope. Even though she was, I'm mad at you, she still loved him. And that was a memento that she kept from him. Right. Well, I'm not saying she should have thrown it away. I'm just saying it's very possible that a watch is going to stop working you know 23 years later people got to replace their watch batteries all the time suspend your disbelief for a little bit i mean this is a pretty (laughs) battery so they do have watches that um i don't know what they're called exactly but i think that they run quite forever based off of uh motion and momentum but that was sitting in a box so i don't have an explanation for that (laughs) i do have an explanation for the fifth dimension but i mean i mean yeah I'm just saying. I get, I get what you're I saying. It. It's, I, it's fine. I get what you're saying. I just think it went from an amazing movie 
to uh, that 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 sigh of oh my god, I can't believe I just saw that. Yeah, took I, it down for me to where I I don't think it's as amazing as as you do. So what? How would you have ended him going to the black hole? Would I, he die? Yes. So how how is that? Well, no, I mean, (laughs) but I, again, I'm on board with Earth being screwed and everyone that's on it is screwed. I I love that part about it. I was like, oh my God, the world is over as we know it. And the only people that are going to survive are the ones that are in this little, you know, spaceship. Not everything has to be that morose though. I know. I didn't didn't want it to be. I'm just saying I wasn't prepared for that. And when I heard Michael Caine admit to that. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. This is this is nuts. Uh, the bathroom here is nuts, <laughs> and, <laughs> and it just threw me away. And um, so then, I mean, okay, fine. Let's just say that he was able to 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 send her this message through mm-hmm. the watch, and she figures it out. Now he's magically teleported out of the black hole, out of the staircase, and in the the path of saturn that's another thing that bothers me that that space is so huge and he just looks like space garbage (laughs) and the ship is able to grab him and save him so the wormhole started at saturn correct the wormhole did but he was in a black hole not the wormhole he was in that same gargantua was that same wormhole that they came in so it for all intents and purposes it could have Shot sure. him out of there, and this right? is the whole could have, could have, would have. I don't isn't know. That, isn't that the whole the whole premise of the yeah, movie? Yeah, it is. is, is I'm is just the saying unknown? it's a little too convenient for me. But that's love, and I mean, like sometimes you just have to follow it, and that's uh-huh. exactly what he was doing. I can't. He. I can't do it. He. Yeah. No. Then. Then <laughs> it you, bothers me. Then you are gonna your your plan B the whole time. I, I guess. Am. Then. Plan B. But in the in the pharmacy section. <laughs> So, so I mean, we take looking at McConaughey. He takes a little of what Doctor Man does, where it's a self-preservation, but it's motivated not by selfishness. It's motivated by um, his his love for his kids and his family, and, mm-hmm. and and wanting them to. He wants to get back to them to at least see them for their final days. I don't think he's he's believing. Oh yeah, we can we can continue Earth on. I think that was all happenstance, and that was incredible, and it was a revelation. Um, I think that it's 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 incredibly intriguing to think of that and to think, okay, I look at time as these things are all constantly happening. You and I are recording this podcast, and we're always recording this podcast. It's not just a, oh, an hour ago we started. It's, we've always been recording this podcast. If you can get outside of that dimension to that level, that is very achievable. This is all hypothetical again, but you have to suspend disbelief you have to look at that and realize that this was created for him for that purpose did you see arrival yeah that blew my mind i hated that movie too. oh my god <laughs> okay i thought that movie was all terrible. right well it's been a great podcast folks um so so i i think i think if it's not if it's not somebody surfing a, a hoverboard <laughs> you're not gonna get the time the, i thought it was so boring so the time dilation in this movie is excellent um I, I really really appreciate it i've understood it more like just reading up on some stuff um, and i say under, understood with a very big asterisk because yeah i'm a c student there's no way i can comprehend <laughs> even begin to comprehend all the relativity in this um but 
I, I really, really, truly appreciate, and I'll come full circle back to what, um, you know, Kip Thorne was saying about keeping true to that, that science, um, aspect of the film and not trying to just create a narrative. Um, this is all stuff that is, is locked in. So the time dilation stuff is, is incredibly accurate to what we've discovered in science. Um, and through just studies. Um, so I think that that was, that was great that Nolan used that. Um, but ultimately this movie comes down to, uh, time. What is it, how we can, how we can utilize it and love. Um, I mean, it's the greatest power that transcends both time and space essentially. Um, I think we all can relate with that. I think like you were saying, how you followed your heart up here, good and bad can come from it, but ultimately it's how you perceive it. And, if you're willing to take that chance, right. You know? Um, so that alone I think is incredible. I think that it's, it's great that he is willing to take the leap of faith, explore, go out there. He understands what's happened instead of just giving in and giving up. And, and then he, and then he's with his daughter for like eight seconds. That was, that was a really good scene though. It was touching, but I mean, you know, she's on her deathbed essentially. And mm-hmm. she's like, I, I knew you'd come back and, you know, he's like, I told you, I promised you. Yeah. So it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Bye. She's like, okay, yeah. now go. Cause my family's here and I need to see them. So, right. but she also You're kind of weird she, right now. She you also, haven't taken a yeah. shower in a while. I'm going to ask you to leave. She also forgave him and she understood like, you know, you, I understood that you were gone and you didn't mean to leave us. So it's complicated. Remember in Creed, we both love Creed, right? Yes. So one of my favorite movies ever. It's the fact that they ask Adonis, what would you say to your father? He's like, you know, I know he didn't, I know he didn't leave me on purpose. And this whole time he's, he's just so mad at him for, for leaving, even though he died. He's Mm -hmm. just like, what the hell? I'm a mistake. But he understands and he accepts it. And he's like, I know he didn't do this on purpose. She knows his reasoning behind it. As mad as she was, she knows his reasoning behind it. And it was for that greater cause. And it's that love that triumphed that. The greater good. Absolutely. So... I think, I don't know. I think that about wraps it up. I, I really hope that you, you kind of see a little more from it, at least slightly more. Um, I get where you're you're coming from with kind of absurd. I'm, I'm not trying to be juvenile no, or just no, 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 disagreeable. No. It's just when I'm watching the movie, I'm on board. Matt Damon starts to get a little weird. He's a weird. And then it's in a bookcase, and then he gets picked up as space garbage, and... Uh, hey Murph. None of that. You look. None of that worried me. Good. <laughs> and then, and then credits. Yeah. I'm just like, eh. No. I. I mean, I don't think it's incredibly far fetched. The movie. I think it's, it's scary. So, again, like I, I'm. It's so funny because I'm as I'm watching the movie, I'm like, yeah, it's so cool. I love every second of this. I love the sound. I love everything. Yeah. The visual effects. The acting. Yeah. And. uh I'm 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 on this incredible journey and I'm seeing new planets, new worlds and hit with the harsh reality that our planet is doomed and it's something as simple as not understanding a black hole right. that ruins this movie for me. Yeah, I mean, you know, teach their own. I it's it's hard to really get beyond that. I, I I don't understand black holes, but I'm willing to put that aside and just look at it from a pure entertainment standpoint. And, which which and, I would be more than happy to yeah. if if the entire movie wasn't taking itself as serious as it was. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it was a it's a very um, harsh look at the future, mm-hmm. and it it's not a joke. Yeah, and there's no real you know over the top um, action or or yeah. violent scenes. No, to no, where, no, 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 no. So where I'm I'm not in this you know Terminator world. Yeah. I'm in this NASA world, which I'm convinced is real. Yeah, this cautionary and, world. And now mm-hmm. all of a sudden, I have to change my way of thinking to say, yeah, okay, that's pretty sweet. I'm glad I got through it. So it's hard for me. Yeah. I can't ma- I was unable to make that transition yeah. from start to finish full circle. Yet you still love Starship Troopers. <laughs> but that's the same movie from start to finish. It doesn't change in any way. It opens with this attack on a planet with bugs, people getting ripped apart, and then it catches up to itself, but it never pretends to be one thing and then shifts gears to something else. It is it is yeah. It is nine oh two one oh acting in a RoboCop movie. <laughs> hot, hot men and women in uh, killing bugs. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's literally what it is. It doesn't do like a bait and switch. It doesn't try and change anything. This movie was for me felt very grounded, very real. And then at the at the end, I'm asked to change that school of thought. I don't necessarily think that that's incredibly far-fetched from from it though and i guess that's just like the dif- different opinions that you we are have wrong <laughs> don't be crazy um, <laughs> you're the worst no i i but again i just i go back to it i mean suspend that disbelief for a bit and and realize that the probability of this happening is unknown yeah we we, we don't know so it's not that far-fetched right he says that in a trailer to make the unknown known yeah right so yeah um yeah i love this movie i I, i'm glad you can at least appreciate it for for its its production um on par with some of the the coolest like space movies i've ever seen um very very fun to revisit it again i love that i own this movie um love me some mcconaughey um and hathaway was fantastic in it so it just got chesting again um yeah not a bad performance by really anybody no um top notch so very very good uh i hope that i hope i hope that i changed your your view on it just slightly maybe just slightly at least uh gave you a little oomph to it maybe yeah. maybe something Some else food to talk for about thought. it that's not corn i mean yeah no corn no corn ever <laughs> um but yeah cool man well, thank you for listening to the Don't Be Crazy podcast. Remember to follow us on Twitter at dbcrazypod, at edgyarmo, and at zachdale60, where you can share your thoughts with us, and we'll discuss them on the show. Whatever movie you want us to talk about, happy to do so. Just please, don't be crazy. <laughs>